What's up, everybody? This is Elliot Terrell, and you're listening to Magical Thinking, brought to you by artofmagic.com. Our guest for this episode is Jeremy Griffith, who you may know from Instagram as Lost Angeles. He currently has about, what is it now, 400 billion followers? I don't know, something like that. Anyway, this episode was super fun because Jeremy and I are really good friends. We've gotten to know each other over the last year and a half or so, and we talk about performance, philosophy, literature, the community that he's fostered on Instagram and at his uh, Monday Night Jams. And when we get into the magic, we really talk a lot about performance and about projecting yourself as part of the performance, how you appear, what the experience is that you create for your audience. And the big takeaway for us was that context is key. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. I certainly had an absolute blast recording it with Jeremy. As you know, of course, you can let me know what you feel about this episode and all the other episodes of the podcast by emailing me, podcast at artofmagic.com. Join our newsletter at artofmagic.com and also follow us on all the social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, with at A Sense of Mystery and at Treasury of Wonder. Jeremy hasn't released anything with us, so I can't give you a coupon code for anything of his, but I will be excited to release tomorrow on Friday some flourishes by Paul Rabaya. So that's going to be really cool. Look out for those. He's a great editor, and uh, he filmed and edited all of his own projects that we're going to release, and they look great. They're super cool, and his flourishes are amazing. So that'll be fun. Look out for that tomorrow. Anyway, that's about it. I hope you enjoy the episode. Let me know what you think, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. I will endeavor to do my best. It's going to happen, yeah, and it's probably both of us will do it. Okay. Knocked over the mic. The whole thing's ruined. Oh my god! Start from scratch. That's it. It writes all the podcasts. <laughs> they all have to be the same we're quality. We're done. I'm retiring. I quit. So these are the notes that I took Perfect. before uh, before I got here. They're clearly extensive and exhaustive. They are, uh, yes. Um, With your damn brass fountain pen. God, you're so classy. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just my package. God delivered it. I signed for it. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, let's see. Let's talk about how you get into it. I don't need that shit. Whatever. We're doing this live. There we go. We'll do it live. Oh my god. <laughs> the art of improv. That's right. Here we go. Right. Do you listen to the show? Yeah. Have you listened to the newest one? Uh, not the newest one, no. Okay. I we went talk, back to We Helder. talked a lot about improv. Did, uh, Adam, Adam um, studied at Second City in Chicago under Big Napier. He's, Holy shit. Yeah. That's he, legit. He's fucking <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, <laughs> all right. So he, he educated us on improvisation also i bought a, dom- a domain on google it was the easiest thing in the world yeah yeah for those of you listening um go to aussie won't stopping <laughs> aussie won't stop talking.org uh, <laughs> you know because it's a charity because <laughs> it's a charity dot com was taken obviously so we had to go with the nearest substitute which was dot org but that's the thing that i did because of that episode aussie commandeered the episode it was super fun oh, that's funny okay that's the perfect way to get him back with the website <laughs> in honor of your mistake well, it, <laughs> but that's what it happened organically we were like 
uh, Adam was like, "There's nothing organic about buying a URL." No, no, no. Setting up no, a- it happened organically in the episode. Oh, oh, oh like, okay. Adam yeah. was like, "Hashtag Ozzy won't stopping." I was like, "Ozzy won't stopping talking about work." Perfect, perfect. So then I bought it, and it just redirects to that episode of the podcast. Excellent. But I, that's probably the best twelve dollars I ever spent. Uh, yeah. No, I, I feel like I feel like that's you know. Like, that's hashtag winning. Like, if, if you had, like, a poster, it'd be you in front of that website with your thumbs up. That'd be yeah. good. This is good. Okay. Yeah. So you're getting me liquored up so I tell the truth. Yeah. Well, I'm getting liquored up, too, so that we don't <laughs> tell the truth. There we go. I don't, I, I don't want to lean on it as a crutch, but um, sometimes, you know, you have a long day and you just want to relax that's with right. your bud. That's right. That's right. Here, wait. Let's How see. long have we known each other? Not uh, that long. No, it's like, been uh, about it's been about a year because you and I met in person at Chris Kenner's party at Magic Live. Oh, is that where we met? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had spoken. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Yeah. Well, oh, okay, we we had met at MagicCon. Okay, uh, and that was the time when I thought that you were like the most well dressed thirty year old I had ever met. He's not thirty. <laughs> uh, spoilers. Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, he's much younger and more put together than any of you who are listening, including myself. Um, no, we met at MagicCon, and then we had seen each other at, at all like the local pop-ups, but you and I didn't really start talking until Chris Kenner's party. Okay. Yeah. And that was... Oh, God. Yeah, okay, I remember what we talked Oddly about. Oddly enough, Asi was still talking at the, okay, time. the, the whole time. He's <laughs> the never not talking. Time. <laughs> uh, but, so, okay, so I think it's fitting that we're both drinking bourbon, because the well, the first time that we really hung out was at this killer your spot. Oh your yeah, my speakeasy. Spot. Yeah, the yeah. Blind Rabbit in Anaheim. Yeah. yeah, if you guys are ever in California, you've got to go to the Blind Rabbit in the packing district in Anaheim, California, because it's it's ridiculous. It's so rad. It's very small, but it's totally worth it. It's uh, it is comically awesome. It is just you know, you walk in and you're taken back. It's really cool. It's so, so cool, and the bartenders are so nice. They're so knowledgeable. Just really, really awesome guys. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that was actually where I found out that, that you really knew what you were talking about, which made me nervous, because that was my spot, and I didn't want to, you know, be judged poorly by someone who actually knew what they were talking about. Alcohol-wise? Yeah, because oh. I, I didn't start drinking until I was 31. Yeah. You know, and it was at that speakeasy. That was, you know, where I first started... Uh, to you know, learn about cocktails and everything. I went from like zero to cocktail snob in five minutes. I was like, mm, I don't like the bouquet on that. <laughs> <laughs> mm, this is flowering. Yeah, mm, yeah. Oh, that's so. Uh, the shadow on this is really yes, lovely. Oh, yeah. That's spirit forward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a luscious mouthfeel. <laughs> I think mouthfeels severely underrated and underused. <laughs> I think. It, I think in general. Well, that, I think, look, next time you're out in public, listeners. Work the word mouthfeel into conversation, and your your levels of joy will will triple. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's in context or not. You will have a great time. That's yes. Yeah, live your life. Yeah, do what seriously. you're gonna do. Yeah, go just, for the goal. Just say just, mouthfeel. Yeah, just do it. Doesn't matter. Just stare them right in the eye and say that. Just watch the reaction. It's you know, that's actually okay. That's really interesting. We can kind of angle this into magic and psychology, but just like going out into public and. Not necessarily, not necessarily going out in the public and accosting people and doing weird things, but like if you're out with your friends 
and you're trying to get better because I'm going to talk about how you were like super shy when you were younger. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. But going out and looking at people and not breaking eye contact, right? Which makes people uncomfortable and it makes you feel better, right? And then also saying weird things like uh, mouthfeel and luscious. Yeah. That word, luscious, that word makes yeah, people yeah. And the word moist. And the word moist. So <laughs> yeah. if you if you can string those three words together, that is a triumvirate of of. That is the that is the trifecta that gets you arrested usually. <laughs> if you if you yeah if you can if you can do that and not break character if you can if you can say those words in public while looking at yeah. someone, you become so much more confident. Oh so god, much yeah, more yeah. If you could say moist, luscious mouth feel mm. at someone and not break eye contact, you're either a madly in love with them or, or a sociopath or a sociopath, yeah, <laughs> or you have completely disconnected from human interaction. <laughs> That's so, uh, no, I always talk about, uh, you know, to people like, like, it's just, it's five degrees. It's five degrees between funny and crazy, mm-hmm. right? Funny and creepy, mm-hmm. right? Like if I say, you know, hello, and I give you a smile, hi, you know, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. But if I tilt my head five degrees to the left after I say hi, you know, hi. now it's a problem yeah Yeah. that's that's yeah open your eyes just a little bit wider and then yeah now you're creepy you know what Uh, this is uh well maybe i shouldn't say this (laughs) maybe you should he'll never listen i i had a roommate in college who turned out to be he he had he had the crazy eyes oh yeah yeah yeah. and they're gorgeous so okay if somebody has really beautiful gorgeous eyes turn around and run away because they're probably crazy eyes his eyes were mesmerizing okay and that thing that you just did, that the five tilt, yeah, yeah the, the, he used to do that. Okay. And it makes so much sense. And now, now in retrospect. Because I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole now that, that all that stuff occurred. <laughs> <laughs> all of that to say, yeah, avoid people with crazy eyes. Avoid people with crazy eyes. Yeah. But, you know, go out and live your life and do funny, weird, awkward things with your friends. And yeah. it'll make you yeah. stronger. It's fine if you avoid people with crazy eyes. Just don't give up your own crazy eyes. That's right. That's right. You are not your crazy eyes. That's right. <laughs> title of my next book. What was your first book titled? You Don't Want to Know. Oh, okay. That was actually in the title. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Quotation mark. Yeah, the yeah. subtitle is... That's actually the title. That's actually the title. You don't want to know. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no, no. Actually, by Jeremy Griffith, Esquire the third. Esquire? Do you have a law degree? No, I don't. That's actually... I, I, because <laughs> you, I, you tried, didn't you? I did try. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't remember, I don't remember telling anyone that I tried to do that. It's we were at a speakeasy and we did uh, have a lot to drink. That's probably what it was. That's probably it. Yeah. I want, well, because Jared Koff actually has his law degree and his his business card says something like the esteemed reverend jared b cough esquire or something like something it's, glorious it's something and, yeah. yeah just yeah. just delightful and i was like oh i want to do that so bad <laughs> but only but to have like fake business cards made like um calling cards yeah yeah yeah. You know, yeah have something like that made and put esquire on it but i think in most states, if you call yourself Esquire and you don't have a law degree, it's it's a problem. Either severely frowned upon or downright illegal. Yeah, yeah, and they would be the ones to come after you for it. It's kind of like the what if it's what if it's like clearly a joke though? Do you think it would be okay? Like what in rainbow letters? What no, 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 no. Like the front is very serious, and then the back of it has like um, a goofy, but not tacky, not cheesy, but like some kind of goofy caricature saying or, or caricature or. Uh, 
or I like, think a, like it's an still- ass, like it's like it says it says. Uh, uh, Elliot Terrell Esquire with an asterisk and then on the back it says not really <laughs> not really no 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 just kidding just kidding I think you'd still get your ass kicked in the courthouse parking lot I think that's probably what would happen <laughs> like Barristers just like just surround me you. like swinging their briefcases back and forth yeah yeah Set- attaches what is taking their ties off yeah right yeah wrapping it around their head <laughs> let's do this um okay we got a lot of irons in the fire yeah there you go that's so the so the first time we really hung out was at the the speakeasy and right. we didn't we didn't really know that much about each other. You thought I was an old man. I did. I, I had no idea that, that you were light years ahead of me in terms of uh, fashion and uh, quote unquote having your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, uh, the the facade that I've <laughs> Yeah, and you're doing very well. You're doing, I mean now I know you it's better. It's quite so. cultivated. Yes, yes. It's quite the facade, yes. Yes. I <laughs> I had a professional spackle my facade. <laughs> We're not going to get anything useful. No, this is people are going to love this one. It's going to be their favorite. Okay. This is the this is the most comfortable I've been doing one. I think actually. Well, it's because you and I actually like hang out. Yeah. On a <laughs> basis. Genuinely good friends. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm I'm friends with all the people that I've interviewed, but like, I think the difference is. Those guys, and I'm not shitting on you at all, but no. those guys are like established magicians mm-hmm. that like have a, a magical point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is much. I'm not saying that you don't have that, but yours is much different in that you're like very community oriented. Yes. And not as much like uh, like a like a, a performer. Yeah, I'm, I don't I don't have a, a show to maintain. I only recently found out that I had a brand, mm-hmm. thanks to Dave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, these guys, I and that that is something. It is what they do, and I think as a result, they have to think long and hard about what they're doing and how they're doing it uh, to an extent that I I don't necessarily have to. Yeah. Um. You know, I can sort of freeform around this. Mm-hmm. I know enough to appreciate it, uh, to have a conversation about it. But what, what's it? What are we talking about? Magic. It, yeah, if we were talking magic. Okay. Um, you know, I've been in it for a long time. Yeah. But personally invested heart and soul, that's mm-hmm. only been in the past couple of years. Yeah. How'd you get into it? Uh, that's uh, Mark Wilson's Complete Course in Magic. My my Uncle Roy uh, got <laughs> that for me. And uh, I hated reading. I loved looking at pictures. Mm-hmm. So I carried that book with me everywhere I went for like two years, never reading a single word and only looking at the pictures. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I, I was terrible. It was very, very much bad. It wasn't until my parents uh, had me do, like, a magic class at a public library. That's when I got into, like, like gimmicks and stuff. So I had a Ziploc baggie that I kept <laughs> in my backpack of all these little winging things. Uh, you know, uh, take a thing, put it on, the, on your fingertip, and it falls off. Attach a belt to it, and now all of a sudden it balances. You know, stuff like that. And, um, you know, I carried that with me forever. And then my seventh grade science teacher. How old was this when you got the complete course? Oh, uh, I want to say I was seven years old. Seven years I old. was really young. Okay. Um, In seventh grade, you're like 11, 12? Somewhere around there. Okay. Yeah, I, I want to say I was 11. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, because sixth grade, my seventh grade science teacher at the time, he was a magician, member of the Magic Castle, and he ran a magic club. And I didn't actually know 
any tricks that I felt like I could perform. So I went and I solved like one of those metal puzzles mm-hmm. in front of him, but I did it blunt, right? To try to get in because you had to audition, mm-hmm. right? It was it's kind of a BS audition, but it made you, you know, try, right? And that was when it really got going. You know, by the by my eighth grade year, I was doing it, you know, quasi-professionally. I was doing shows and, yeah. and things like that. Why, but just backtracking just a little bit, what, what, where was the drive? Why did you want to be in the Magic Club? Uh, you know, just the same way everybody well, else Well, no, it was, it was, you know, I have, I have two brothers, a, a twin brother and, and a big brother. And at one point, my parents had taken us to a Magic Club. The twin's club. the little one. Yeah, the twin is the one who, who looks like my face. Um, the big one actually looks like us, except if you had like Captain America serum. Like he's he's a big he's a big strong dude. But we uh, we all went to a magic shop at one point, and I got a lock deck uh, trick, and then I think my twin brother got Carl Fold's uh, self working card trick. Yeah. Um, and my big brother got Spongeballs. My big brother is actually ridiculously good at Spongeball magic. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, my, That's my, the first time that phrase has ever been uttered. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's straight right. phrase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Just opened up a new world, right? Yeah. Um, no, and then my twin brother was actually the one who was into cards. In fact, if you hand a deck to my twin brother, he still fans better than I do. Um, but I, I got a lock deck and then found out you actually had to learn to like riffle force and things like that and so I, I threw it away I kept the gimmick but I threw it away and uh, didn't want to have to put in work right yeah and uh, so literally then, the opposite of what you are now yeah right it's the exact opposite <laughs> yeah now I'm, now I'm a hardcore move monkey uh, no so Kevin Packy right my 7th grade science teacher he um, oh I know Kevin yeah yeah okay that would have been <laughs> that would have been spectacular um <laughs> Like, no, go on. <laughs> but, <laughs> you said it like I was supposed to. I had to jump in. No, that's fine. That's fine. You you should know him. He's a good cat. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, so he he taught me uh, my first my first card trick, which was uh, Gemini Twins, um, and I that was the first one that I can honestly say I really truly and honestly practiced and that sort of started my obsession with playing cards uh i liked the idea of anything relating to cards because i felt like how cool would it be if you could buy your career at the local drugstore you know all you need is a deck of cards and you could entertain everybody didn't matter the audience and i slowly got into card manipulation i was terrible at it because i have huge windows just gaping um and they were even worse as a kid um which was terrible during horror movies because you can't you know, cover that. <laughs> um, but then uh, when I hit eighth grade, he said, uh, you know, do you want to come with me? I'm a counselor at uh, Dave Goodsell's West Coast Wizards Magic Camp. And now I'm, now I'm dead serious because back then, you know, I think I was 14 that summer. And you go up there and you spend a week just with a bunch of kids just like you. It's like tannins, you know. You go up and you spend a week. They're like probably 100, 150 kids, and they're all as nerdy Magic as you. Nerds. Yeah, That's and awesome. they were bringing up like big names, you know, mm-hmm. Tony Clark. Uh, we had um, Daryl was up there teaching all the close-up kids. Uh, you had Sean Farquhar before he went, 
crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, like got all huge and everything. Uh, we had Gregory Wilson. I remember I was up there one summer and Gregory Wilson and I got into a card throwing contest and I won. Nice. Uh, he totally showed me up after that. But yeah, we were we were card scaling across like a huge auditorium to like hit a, a thing. And I think I won just by attrition. I think he had you know, thrown so many cards that day that he just got tired and, you know i'm young and sprightly so you know <laughs> fuck that i'm not giving up you know yeah so uh I'll take you to the ground old man. yeah come on let's do this <laughs> uh and then all through high school i was crazy involved in it. Uh, that that summer the first summer that i came back from the magic camp that was my audition into the magic castle uh, and i became a junior member uh that autumn and uh, I got in, oddly enough, all right, so there was a group, uh, there were probably about f- like 25 stage folks, stage kids that were auditioning and like 50 close-up, and only three of us got in. Wow. In the close-up and only like two of the stage, but that was, I got in and that was the same day that uh, Jason Latimer got in and that was the same day that Joel Ward got in so we were all sort of in that like group um and I stayed with that and you know we all hung out and everything until I got into college college got really serious Mm -hmm. and then so so I wasn't really able to attend um and at the time in order to be a junior member you had to you know attend nine out of the twelve things and you had to like audition for a performance three times a year and did you go uh to college i went to yeah i went to uci okay uh for math and physics and uh dropped out early mostly because i thought i knew everything Mm -hmm. turns out i was right um yeah it's always it's always nice when you when you learn early that you know everything yeah you know i feel like that's a because because everything comes so easily after that yeah from then on everything is yeah it's fine you don't have to study anymore or Mm -hmm. learn anything else nope there are no more challenges which is great yeah yeah super great so you dropped out so i dropped out (laughs) as you should yeah right (laughs) exactly right uh turned out uh, educationally speaking it turned out to be one of the better things i did uh I sort of let go of doing magic publicly. It turned out I could perform. I actually do enjoy performing, mm-hmm. um, but on my terms. You yeah. know, I hated performing what it was that the people wanted to see. I wanted to perform what I enjoyed performing. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that you can do that, uh, but it's very hard to do it if you're going to do that um, professionally. You know, in a lot of cases, you need to do the workers. I was a restaurant magician for years. And you had like the set, you know, you yeah. had you had like the three sets that you would bounce between um, so you could just pick combinations and and magic became very, very boring because it, it was pared down to my set of workers. Yeah. And I never practiced anything but my set of workers. Yeah. And after a while, it was like playing the same music over and over again. And just I didn't enjoy it. So I let it go for a while. I stopped performing publicly. I, I still carried a deck of cards with me for a while. Um, and then... As your uh, security blanket. Yeah, basically. Just like, yeah, because just other, like me. Just yeah, like, yeah. Otherwise, otherwise I'd die. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know. But then... Uh, What's going to stop the bullets? Yeah, right? you got to carry it in yep. your vest pocket. Otherwise, that's why you have the Kevlar clips. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. Thank you, expert. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then... Uh, 
later on, you know, right around when I turned 30, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my Which dad... Which was when? Uh, 30 was three years ago. Three I'm years 33. Ago. I'm 33 now. The so, age of the Lord. Yes, that's true. That's awkward because now I feel compared to him. And oh, no, great. no, no. Don't no, 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 no. Thanks. Great. Please. He's like, what please, have you accomplished please lately? Please don't misunderstand. Because that dude saved the world. What you got? Um, all right. So at 30, uh, my dad... <laughs> the age of the Lord. I'm so sorry. I'm just, like, I'm just ripping somebody else's bits. Yeah, right? Yeah, just... That's all I'm doing. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, all right. So so on a, on a slightly more... Um, somber note. Yeah, it took us up so that we could go Yeah, down. so we could go down, which I yeah. appreciate. So at 30, um, that August, my father just, you know, he passes away suddenly. And when I was a member of the castle, he was the one that was always driving me up. My mom, my mom definitely did. Uh, mm-hmm. She was definitely part of it. But my dad was the one who was really, like, pushing me. My mom was incredibly supportive. My dad was constructive. Oh, okay. uh, which are Which are different... Things. Yeah, that's yeah. that's an interesting um, and differentiation. So I I I sort of fell back into magic to kind of interact with that memory, and I went crazy with it. Like I, my friend Alec Blanco, uh, got me started onto Instagram. Uh, biggest mistake of my life. I haven't done anything productive since, but uh, <laughs> I. Uh, and this was right around the time when you could first start uploading videos, mm-hmm. and. I went nuts. I just I was taking three or four pictures a day. Um, it took me a little bit to sort of find something that I wanted to express them, and that's when I started doing like the flotation photography, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. And uh, everyone, you know, who remembers that, they're like, "So, so, like, is it Photoshop or anything?" And I was like, "No, it's it's honestly there. There was never any Photoshop or invisible thread or." or you know any invisible elements the the rule was is that whatever you see in the picture is what was used to take the picture so if all you see is a table and a deck of cards in the picture that's all that was used Mm -hmm. um and i suppose that's kind of a compliment if you think it's photoshop that means i sure i nailed it um and yeah it it blew up from there uh you know we had the monday night jams how fast well no let's not just skirt over all how fast did it happen because you know the community I, and I'm not nearly as in touch with it as you are, but the the community that I see is very uh, welcoming. They're very interactive, and they're also like pushing each other to continuously post new stuff. Oh yeah, and and, and you know just everybody follows everybody, and your your follower count just rises around. So how long did it take for you to like kind of? Uh, At what point did you go, oh, shit, this, uh, yeah, is, like, no, I, okay. this is a thing. So so last year, at 32, I hit 10,000 followers. I was out. My twin brother and I, for our birthday, we, we normally go for, like, a, a drive, and, you know, we plan how we're going to take over the world, right? Mm-hmm. And we're at a sushi bar out in Pasadena. Sounds like a good place to start. It really was. It was great. And uh, we're, we're, like, checking my phone, and I hit 10,000. Mm-hmm. And it was this shocking thing, you know, because at at over a thousand followers, you're you're now trying to do something. At five thousand followers, you're in it to win it. At ten thousand followers, now you're serious. Mm-hmm. Now you're now you could actually do something, you know. Um, and then, almost exactly one year later, I was at thirty thousand followers. 
So it went, it, I mean, it was like a slow growth thing. It's like a logarithmic. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And uh, that was when, I, I remember I hit 20,000 and it didn't feel the same. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. oh, the love is gone, you know. <laughs> but but actually it was that, you know, 10,000 caught me by surprise. Yeah. 20,000 I wasn't expecting, so I didn't really have any emotional attachment to the number. 30,000 I actually, I worked at it, mm-hmm. you know. Um and it wasn't necessarily to get followers. It was mostly because I wanted to interact with these people. I, I love the magic community on Instagram, uh, mostly because it's a very, very simple um, social media platform. Yeah. You know, it's pictures or videos, and it's a comment section. You don't have to retweet. You don't have to Facebook post or, or anything. I still, to this day, I don't have a Facebook. Yeah. Um, and the people on there, I found the same thing. I found them incredibly welcoming. And all the big people that you see on there now, we all started like right around the same time. And mm-hmm. we all had a couple hundred followers. And it's funny because Chris Ramsey was... See, I told you. You, you did. did. You did. You did warn me that I was going to kick the table. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Chris Ramsey was the first person to start the interaction. Yeah, actually. Okay, so uh, he started with a post called past the changes right which eventually morphed into i'm just gonna take just a just just a little bit of credit here okay card porn was me yeah was yeah, that you that was me really yeah okay that that makes a lot of sense knowing you yeah we'll go into that oh my this is oh getting my. racy mm-hmm. <laughs> finish off these birds yes yeah, oh my <laughs> but uh you can't hear us but we both sipped at the same time it's fine uh, but so uh, Ramsey and the, the Ramsey starts it, and and he with, he struck. With what was it? It was, uh, it was called "Past the Changes" at the time. He yeah. started the first one, and that one went around, and then eventually it sort of came back to him, and they threw it back out, and then me and a few other people took it up. Yeah, and it was a fascinating prospect, right? Someone could do a change, challenge you. You could challenge someone in you know, Czechoslovakia, and they could challenge someone in Brazil, and someone in Brazil could challenge someone in Dominican Republic. And within a day, you had touched eight countries, Mm -hmm. you know? And so this became a thing. Uh, Like, even even now, uh, if we looked up, you know, hashtag past the change, there's several thousand posts of people doing changes, you know? And in order to keep up with it, you had to, you know, come up with something you had to do so in orange county we that's had this, why i was so bad at it <laughs> i yeah no i, I, like, I know maybe five color changes I, yeah, but I mean it was it was <laughs> tough because you you didn't always hit you know mm-hmm. sometimes what you did verifiably sucked but it was the only thing you yeah. could come up with right and we really felt this pull so it was it was funny so jeff schumacher mm-hmm. right uh shoe 32 yeah and then alec yeah alec blanco uh alakazam magic david bonfadini mm-hmm. michael o'brien and me, we all were like really involved mm. in this. We really like had skin in the game on this. We'd we'd go after each other, and or we'd challenge each other. Felix yeah. Bowden, right, yeah. uh, the the guy from um, Dominican Republic, he like he was invincible, and, and we were gonna take him down. You know, <laughs> it was gonna be. Uh, 
But it was it was. How great. do you do that? How do you win? You just do a better move, or you it was a, okay. So at one point, what's a, what's a, you got skin in the game? What does that mean? You're it means that like no no, it meant like if you challenged, if you were challenged, you didn't ignore it, mm-hmm. and that was the thing. Like the people who became the biggest on Instagram were the people who never ignored. Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. Um, well, that's not true. There are some people who. Uh, you also that, had to be reasonably good. Yeah, yeah. You actually, uh, like, A, you had to you had to know what you were doing. But B, there are people who that didn't fit their brand, and mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, but this one, it, it was a great way to interact, and it was a great distraction. I was going through a rough time. Yeah. And uh, so there were two things, right? There was Instagram, and then there was the Monday Night Jams. Mm-hmm. So when when I worked, did that start? Uh, okay, so this actually started. Alec Blanco... Because uh, these, these two things are happening simultaneously. Simultaneously, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, simultaneously, yes. Uh, Alec and I, uh, we were fast friends. You know, we we originally met each other back when I was still doing street magic at the Irvine Spectrum, just for the hell of it. Well, that's and embarrassing. It really was. <laughs> it was it, <laughs> so when you said no, okay, no, I take that back. When you say you were doing street magic, you were doing like Blaine style, or were you busking? No, I wasn't busking. Like okay. it, it's in Irvine, they'll shoot you. Okay. Um, no, but they. Uh, <laughs> they will though um, don't busk in her yeah don't busk in her they'll find you no I was just doing it for practice mm. you know there was and, and you're just accosting people and doing magic to them basically yeah running after them <laughs> I was like you will enjoy magic <laughs> <laughs> But at the time, Houdini's was still in the Irvine Spectrum. It wasn't in Disneyland. It hadn't taken over the shop in Disneyland. And Alec worked behind the counter. And so we became fast friends. And um, there was also another guy, Mike, and he was also doing street magic around the same time. So there were the three of us. And then we lose touch. And then one day I find out that he lives right next to me, right? And so right after everything goes down with my dad, he and I are meeting up on a pretty regular basis. He's doing a sort of walk-around magic at a hookah bar in, I want to say it was Anaheim. And so I'd go over there, and I would, you know, get a hookah, get a thing of tea, and then whenever he was done, he would sit down and we would jam. Mm-hmm. And then we realized, okay, maybe that's not a great idea for our lungs and our longevity. So we started meeting at a Denny's. And Which is also not a great idea. No, for, for your, body, yeah, for, yeah, or longevity or anything. <laughs> it's not like I went from from bad to worse. It's more like I went from bad to different bad. Different bad. At least it was a tasty bad. Yeah. Because uh, bacon, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, but, all right, so we're both going through some heavy stuff at the time. And mm-hmm. so whenever this would happen, we'd have one close-up pad and one deck. And whoever needed to do the talking, they were the one that had the deck, and the other person would just listen. And then you pass it back. Right, and so it was this sort of unofficial thing, mm-hmm. and then he brings uh, Jeff Schumacher, and then David Bonfadini finds us on Instagram, and he shows up and adds a whole new level of life to this thing, and then a number of people show up, and then it starts to become its own beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, multiple locations start to open up, kind of all over the U.S. Uh, Chris Lacoste. Uh, started one up in Toronto. There were two that started in in Mexico, uh, Veracruz and Mexico City, and uh, those actually became bigger than anything we did up here. Um, and the the Monday Night Jam is still going. There's now a new one up here in L.A. Uh, but the idea was... there's a new one up here in L.A. People yeah. won't drive an hour down to go to yours. No, 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 no. Yeah, I don't blame have, have, Yeah, have you <laughs> have you been on the five? If it went any slower, go in the other direction. But they. Uh, the whole idea was I, I remember as a kid I was part of I was never part of IBM but I was part of the Orange County Magic Club and I remember thinking it was kind of lame that we'd only meet up once a month 
you know, and you had to pay dues. And you got like this dinky newsletter, and 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 I'm 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 not making fun of it, but I remember this was my thinking at the time, um, and I remember thinking that I wish there was something that I could go to, mm-hmm. you know, and this sort of melded into that. It didn't start off as that. Originally, it was just me and Alex. It was sort therapy. Of, yeah, it really yeah. was. Um, same thing with Instagram. It was just therapy, mm-hmm. and then it it really became something beautiful. You know, a lot of people started showing up. And it was just a place for magic folk to hang out, you know. And you could eat, you could share. drink, and share. You could, I mean, you've been there. It's, I have, yeah. It's just designed to be that. You know, yeah. there's no dues. The, the most you're paying for is a drink, maybe a bite to eat. And you're meeting people from all over. There's every generation, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it's great. I'm, I love it. All different skill levels. It's really, what you've done is really nice. Thank you. It gives people something to look forward to you know and that that's I think that's really important because that's what it was for you yeah when you were starting out same thing with Instagram is this was something that you were doing for yourself right and then once other people started attaching themselves to it you you weren't protective of it you were welcoming and generously yeah I wanted you, you share you you sharing it yeah I wanted I wanted to involve I wanted to involve as many people as possible and I don't like bullies mm-hmm. you know I I saw you know, they're, they're, like if you go on the Magic Cafe, people get downright mean. You go on YouTube and someone tries really hard and you get these trolls that come out of nowhere saying you should just give up magic and die. Yeah. You know? And I hate that. Few things bother me more than arrogance that way. And what's worse is arrogance and ignorance. Oh, God, I just want to slam their face in the car door. But now I'm the boy, right? Uh, <laughs> no, but I... I so I became very, very defensive. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when we first started posting videos, I'd watch every one that I possibly could. And if I saw someone getting out of line in the comment section, I sort of inadvertently kind of became like the comment police. I'm like, hey, bro, that's not cool. Yeah. You know? And what's weird is you're afforded far more authority than you should ever have based on the number of followers you have. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, as I as the number of followers grew... It, I, I had more authority than I kind of knew what to do with mm-hmm. because I didn't know why I had it. You yeah. know, I was like, I'm, I'm just a dude doing tricks at my desk at work when I really should be working. Uh, <laughs> true, true story. But you know, when one thing your brother doesn't listen. To no, he won't. He, <laughs> I'll, I'll see to it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah. Fine. Um, yeah like, I'm the tech person. It's fine. I'll, I'll make sure it doesn't happen. Um, Shady. Shady, super shady. Uh, no, so I, I really, I wanted it to be a positive and growing place. I didn't want it to be Fight Club. Mm, it was and, meant to be encouraging. Yeah, and I, I know people who really want magic to be Fight Club. They really want it to be, you know, duel to the death. Yeah. You know, and it shouldn't be. It should be open. It should be something that. Kids aren't afraid to try. They're not afraid to fail. They're not afraid. Now, it doesn't mean that they should stay there. Mm-hmm. You know, by all means, try, fail, and then grow. Yeah. But it's very, very hard to grow in a desert. It's very, very hard to grow next to a volcano that's trying, you know, constantly trying to kill you. And that's sort of how I feel. Uh, you know, a couple of these social networks get after a while. You know, so so I get very, very protective, especially when people, you know get mean in the comments it's 
it's totally uncalled for. Yeah. You know, even if someone is terrible, mm. there are ways to tell them that they're not doing well in a way that isn't dismissive. It's not offensive. It's, it's constructive. Not, yeah. It's something that they can look at that and then they can do with it as they please. Mm. You know, if they don't do anything with it and then they keep, you know, goofing it up and everything, that's on them. Yeah. But I wanted it to be a safe harbor. And so far it's it's doing well. But again, that's that's what I wanted it to be. What it became has largely to do with everyone who got involved. You know, yeah, there are a few big people and we've got a lot of followers and that's wonderful, but to be honest, the grand majority of the interaction are from people with a couple hundred followers. And some of the stuff they do is gorgeous. It's mm-hmm. it's better than anything I was coming up with, you know. And I love hunting those people down. Yeah. Because that's the stuff that's where like the fresh blood comes from that's where the new perspectives come from is that you know you've got someone uh you know like nick flau or you've got someone like felix Bowden. where if if it wasn't on there they'd still be in like this you know relatively small world and now they're worldwide Mm -hmm. you know now there are people who go to conventions in other countries and they're high-fiving each other like they've known each other in person for years yeah but they don't even know each other's first names all they know is each other's usernames yeah um and that was the funniest thing i went to magic con and that was one of the best feelings is we all knew each other from instagram and they're like los angeles i'm like patrick i was like you know so it was yeah it's kind of a weird thing it is like i like i i always feel super uncomfortable around like my magic heroes or just any of my heroes and also like people that i know online because i feel like i know so much about you but i don't know you yeah, you know what i'm saying yeah and you just like like i remember the first time i met chris kenner i was like oh my god i've read your book i know everything about you i know about like your whole family history yeah. like i know where you live and what you do and it was it's it's so weird because you're like this guy doesn't know me from adam but i i've like yeah you're like the cia I know, it's and super just, it's super weird and it's yeah, super no, uncomfortable I'm, well and and this is yeah the uh the i forget what it's called i think they the imbalance of fame, right? That that all of the knowledge is on the stranger's point of view. You know that yeah. that someone could walk up to you and they know everything about you and you don't even know their first name. Yeah, it's a kind of a creepy prospect. Yeah. Um, How do you respond to that? Because you're kind of famous. I'm 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 insta famous, which you're, is different. You're insta famous. Uh, no, I no. It's, I I would argue that it's not different. It's it's a smaller scale. It is. It is. I would argue it's a much it's smaller scale. Uh, I'm. I'm well known in a small community and I love it. I think it's really, really cool because then I get to meet the person who they're like, I've been following you for years. And what's funny. Okay. So this happened to me when I was in Blackpool, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, A guy comes up and he's like, you're Jeremy Griffith. I've been following you, you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's great. Who are you? And he's like, oh, my username is uh, Charlie Apass. I'm like, oh my God, I've been following you too. Yeah. You know, this is, it's, it, I've met so many incredible people that I didn't even know that they were there in person yeah. until we actually talk. And I'm sitting there like, I know you by your hands. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. it's this really cool thing. Uh, there are, you know, if they're like a younger crowd, you know, they'll, they'll come up and they'll be like, oh, I, I followed you. How do you do this? And now it's that, now it's that personal moment, you yeah. know, that, that thing that, um, they just met their hero. What do you do now? Well, I yeah, I immediately lap something. I think 
No, I meant like you know you you are you now have this moment of ultimate power. Somebody yeah, came yeah. to you. Oh, okay, all right. In a so of, like, yeah, like if if some if someone comes up, right? If they're like younger and they're into magic, and they come up and they're like, "Oh my gosh, you're Los Angeles," you know. The oh, fruit, my <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so excited! <laughs> right. I have an underbite, so I could totally do that. Uh, no, I think I think it's this perfect moment because now now you set the tone. Yeah, you know, now you set the tone for what could oh, be the rest so of their important. experience. Yeah, listeners, pay attention. Stop what you're doing. Okay. Stop in the middle of the road and just listen to what he's about to say. Okay. All right. So someone comes up and they meet you for the first time and they say something like, "You're my hero." Um, the first thing that I ask them is about them. Mm. You know, I'm like, "Well, how many videos of mine have you watched?" Like that would be <laughs> such a dick thing to say. You know, but I want to know what what are they into. Right, and then if they've got the time, yeah, let's sit down. Absolutely, right? Because I had several people that were willing to do that with me, you know, and it changed my perspective on magic because now these people were willing to share. They were willing to open up. They weren't like, "Who are you, kid? Get out of here!" You know, they weren't dismissive. Uh, they were open and they were generous, and I think that's incredibly important. Um, now, obviously, again, I, I get it. There, there are some times when, when that's not going to work. You know, I get that there are some personalities where that doesn't even fit. You know, like if, if Blaine all of a sudden, you know, someone comes up and goes, oh, my gosh, you're my hero. And he goes, oh, you're my hero, too. Like, they, like, <laughs> like it would be kind of a weird response. I get yeah. it. But it's my opportunity to do for them what was done for me. Mm. You know, I... I I make the point whenever I get to talk about this that my magic, there's almost nothing that I do is original. Mm -hmm. Everything that I do was inherited from someone else. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I inherited was that memory. It was that philosophy of magic that it's, it's an art form and it's an art form that needs to be developed. And there's only so much any one generation can develop it because that generation will have a perspective. You know, baby boomers look at the world differently than the following generation, right? Gen X. Um, then, you know, millennials will always see the world differently than people in their 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to see it with different lenses. You know, like, whoever thought that magic could happen on an iPhone? And now you've got kids doing crazy stuff with iPhones that, you know, people from a previous generation maybe wouldn't even think of, yep. you know? Um so I really, really want it to be something that's open, that's positive. And that first impression is really, really important. Because what would you do if you met your hero and they were cruel or they were mean? I, I've had that happen. Yeah, it, it sucks, it's, right? It's gut-wrenching. It and, is. And I'm still, I, I still feel uncomfortable around that person. I get it. I and get it. It it's sucks. Like... It's, it's happened to me a couple of times. And I remember, you know, my dad trying to warn me saying, you know, don't don't idolize your heroes you know they're human beings and that's true you yeah. you probably shouldn't idolize your heroes you should absolutely respect their achievements mm. right but then you get to judge them as people just like you would judge anyone else yeah right if someone is mean they are mean you know if someone is rude you can call them rude it doesn't matter if they have achieved great things you know um so i i want that to be a very very positive moment i want it and I want that to be carried on. I want them, when they become huge, because likely that kid that I met is going to become the next crazy star who's going to you know, thoroughly hand me my ass at the card table. Mm -hmm. I want him to have the same philosophy. 
So yeah. I'm only one interaction, but that's one. You know, yeah. that's like the and old a, story. And a good positive one is, is yeah, cements itself in your brain. And and it can really have an effect. It might actually you know sort of guard you against those tougher mm-hmm. meetings. You know, I've I've met a couple where you know I tried to talk with them, and now all of a sudden. I'm ousted from the conversation because I'm bothering them, you know. It's gross. It is. It's, it's gross. Just, yeah, it's I, you know. How did you how did you cultivate this? Let's let's go back to your to your youth. My youthful. How did you cultivate this? I mean, you ask any ten people off the street who are magicians who follow you. So I guess not any ten people off the street, but ask any ten of your followers and people that know you. And eight of them will say that you're the nicest, kindest, most generous person they've ever met. And the other two will be stupid. <laughs> well, thank you. How did how did that? How did you develop that? I uh... because and I say I'm not saying that you were you weren't naturally like that, but you've told me that you know you you were cripplingly shy and that you. I was. Kind of... I I was uh, like all the way through the fifth grade. I sat in the back of the class like. I didn't even sit at my desk in the back of the class. I sat, like, against the wall in the back of the class. And all through recess, I, I like, would hang out in the very back of, like, the like the playground and everything, trying to avoid people. I was just... I, Me too. Except yeah. I was kissing girls. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. I was... I was That's um, not true. I was hanging up... Government the overthrows. Board. I oh, did yeah. I did a bit of that, too. Yeah. I did, yeah. I was super into gymnastics for, for a good long time. Me too! Yeah? Yes! Oh, sweet. Yeah. No, because it makes you feel like a superhero. It that's, does. I'm sorry. That's yeah, you know. and you get to wear really cool like pants. Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, the flu- oh yeah, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> so, so I, you know, it was funny because you know my parents thought, uh, you know, magic would sort of help that. You know, the the thought process is that it will break you out of your shell. You're sort of forced to not only interact with people, but put yourself and your skills on display. Mm -hmm. Which, to an extent, that's true. But magic as a whole tends to develop weirdos. Right? We are all nutbags. We are just all crazy. That's true. Um, And the problem is, is that we all sort of treat magic much like Hogwarts treats, you know, the wizarding world. Like, it's this thing where... You know, you you sort of develop into this. I, I, what's the term? It's like a reality distortion field. Like there are some magicians you've met. These guys, they think they are way cooler than they actually are to oh, the outside world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh, that's, that's my <laughs> favorite thing in the world. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, and usually it happens with people uh, either from originality or pedigree, right? So when you talk with these people. It is because they are doing something completely different, or they were taught by someone remarkable, right? Oh, see, okay, I thought you were talking about people that aren't self-aware. Oh, yeah, no, those people, that's that's who I am talking that, about. Okay, yeah, yeah, because yeah. the people that I'm talking about aren't necessarily doing original things, or they think they're doing that's, original That's things. what I mean, like, they, okay, think, okay. they think that what they're doing is, is incredi- incredibly original, and uh, they're confusing, they're confusing... Um, let me think of the word because it's a really, really good word. They're, they're confusing being contrarian with being original. You know, what do you mean? Explain that. Okay, so so this is something that um, I've I've had to work out a couple of these things with you know my own personal philosophy here is that some people are so busy trying to do the opposite that they don't do themselves. You know, they 
they are so busy trying to be trying to avoid what has already been done mm -hmm. uh, that they don't focus on doing what what their soul would produce anyway. You know, like if you if you left them to their own devices without the outside influence, they might create beautiful music. They might create beautiful magic, but they're so busy trying to avoid the tunes and the 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 routines and the things that have already been done mm -hmm. that they might even avoid the things that would come naturally and beautifully to them. You know, you watch some routines that you may even know how it's done. Uh, the style may be very old, it may be very outdated, and yet it's still remarkably beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, you watch Lance Burton do card manipulation. Yeah. And it's, you know, 150 Stunning. years old. Yeah. But it's gorgeous, mm -hmm. you know. But someone would be like, oh, that's been done, so I, I'm not going to do that. But they might actually, they might actually be brilliant at it. Yeah. You know, the, my, my, my biggest pet peeve is, is when, you, when you speak from pedigree. Right when you say, "Well, I was taught by this person and this person and this person," usually, whenever this happens, it's because you're being you're being an asshole and and you're trying to give you're being defensive. Yeah, you're being yeah you're being you're being defensive. You being yeah, about something. or you know, or you're on the offensive and you're trying to establish your authority. Bulldoze. Yeah, time. you're trying to like you know establish dominance early. Yeah. And what I found is usually when people do that. It doesn't make their name look better. It makes their teachers' names look worse, you know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, all, all that like all that to come back and say, all right, you you step into this and you, you there is a very real pull toward that. Mm. You know, we sort of tend toward the esoteric. We tend toward this thing where we want to treat it like it's a secret society, but all of our books you can buy online. Yeah. You know, all of the videos you can download onto yep. your phone. Uh, the doorman outside was like, "When are you going to teach me some magic tricks?" I was like, "It you I, you can I, I you literally, can literally there is a website you can literally just watch me teach yeah, you magic right? tricks. Some of them online. are free. Yeah, All you right? have to do is Google it." And he's like, "Show me." <laughs> oh jeez. I was like, "Google magic." Yeah, Google. Yeah, Google the word magic. Google the word magic. I don't know that googling magic would bring our website up, but that would be great if it would. did. That, yeah, would, be that nice. would be awesome commerce wise. Yeah. No, so, all right, so you... You're a tech guy, make that happen. Yeah, I'll, I'll do what I can, <laughs> yeah, which is nothing, I <laughs> can't do anything. Um, so, so you have this tendency to want to pull in that direction, and it really does. It, it creates this reality distortion field, Yeah. right? Which doesn't help with your social interaction, mm -hmm. right? That was a very long and roundabout way to well, say Well, you become self-inflated. You do, or, or you, you, you make assumptions about the truth of the world that have nothing to do with the truth of the world. You know, uh, it's like Can when people. Well, oh, for instance, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll get there. Um, you start doing a trick, and you're explaining it to someone, and you're like, "Now they're going to be thinking this," and you may have no idea what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, because you've never had that trick performed on you, so you have you have no clue. But again, you become inflated in the idea of that you know what your audience thinks, mm -hmm. that you know how to present magic. And what you come out with at the end may have nothing to do with the reality of performing magic. You know, people who so think that are, they're being original and, and cunning are actually being awkward. So are you, are, so are you saying that, that, you know, vaguely some creators 
don't do enough performing to understand what it is that they're doing, what it is that they could be doing that would be truly impactful, and therefore by going in this opposite direction, they're creating shitty magic? No, no, I think it's more... Because that's, that's what I feel. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that. I, I, you know, and I understand that viewpoint. Yeah. I think, I, but I don't think it's a lack of performance. Yeah. Because I've, yeah. I've known plenty of people who performed very little and they're still remarkable. I've known people who perform, you know, an awful lot and they're still not that great. I think it's a level of self-examination. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was about to You know, to I think if, if you go through and... This is actually how I came out of my shell, right? I, I kid you not. I, I read... Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And there's instructions right in the beginning. And I, I followed the instructions. Phenomenal I, book. It, it's excellent. And they have an updated edition. But I had to bribe myself every chapter. Mm-hmm. So I had a Boylan's Grape Soda. And I had a, a chocolate bar from Ghirardelli. 60% dark chocolate. Nice. And I would set those in front. And if I did that chapter, that was my reward. Right? Um, now, obviously, I was like... 20, so I didn't gain a pound from this. If I tried to do that now, you'd have to roll me out the door. But um, that you followed the instructions to the T. I did. I really, really did. And how then many we, times did you read the book? Four. Okay. Somewhere around there, um, because I'd read the chapter and then I'd go back through and I'd annotate the chapter and then I would copy the annotations and the notes into a notebook. So I, I, I really interacted with the information from it. And you follow that for a while, and you're awkward, but you're sociable, right? And then you find out just how much of it has give, you know? And that's when I really started to enjoy performing magic and everything, was because I had learned the basics, and then I sort of learned to dance with it. Then I sort of learned to interact with people, which has served me, you know, wonderfully, because I've, you know, I've got friends all over the world now. Yeah. Um... And it served well, especially when interacting, you know, on social media, because I avoided social media like the plague for years. Uh, you know, bad MySpace experience, and then I was done. What right? happened to MySpace? Uh, well, I had I had my account. Was it a girl? No. Well, probably. <laughs> uh, it's always a girl. No, I I had my account. Title of your third book. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. Seriously, that's the title. Um, the. I just I had had this really bad experience. That was my first experience with trolls, you know. Um, was MySpace? Yeah, because remember how you could do like quasi blog posts. Yeah. So I had this very like motivational, you know, blog thing, and I was doing it mostly for me. But then people would come on and you know they would say terrible things about it. And then eventually yeah, I just gross. I took it down. And every time I thought about you know starting another one, I just I didn't like the level of of vulnerability yeah well vulnerability and the fact that you were so open to the the world you know this is probably the most that people will will hear about my history since that because like i don't have a facebook i very rarely post anything personal on my instagram it's kind of mono themed it's a little playing cards and nothing else you know Uh, so when people are like do a coin trick i'm like have you not seen the past three years i kind of have a focus going (laughs) um but I don't know. I, I, I really, in terms of, of social interaction, this lended itself so easy because it was very easy to control. Someone gets uppity, someone gets mean or anything like that, you could just block them and, and you were fine. You could move on. Yeah. Um, but people were open and now you could really go for it. You know. Now I've got family and friends. Benoit. You know? yeah. Dude's like my little brother. I've, I've gotten to fly all over the world 
to visit people I had never met in person, but knew them from from Instagram and from you know the various things that came from that. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be one of the best investments I had ever made, just in terms of you know I got to meet you, uh, things that never likely would have happened. I would have been a loyal customer, absolutely, but you know we wouldn't have known each other except yeah. for maybe the occasional high five at like the pop up stand. Yeah, you know, and now we've been good friends for the past year. Yeah, so I don't know. I love it. That's great. No, it's so cool. Mm. I feel like I should interview you. This is <laughs> the perfect opportunity. So, podcast. Why podcast? Uh, let's not do that. No, uh, why not? <laughs> we can. I just would rather be a little more organic. Than okay. Me. All right. I just need some more bourbon. Yeah, right. Uh, Hold on. Quick bourbon break. So, I'll edit this down to a tight 20. <laughs> you almost spewed that all over the place. <laughs> You bastard, that's good bourbon, too. <laughs> We're doing this in a place that isn't ours, and the owner is going to come back and be like, why does my place smell like water? God. <laughs> Alcoholics broke in and just drank all our oh booze and spilled it everywhere. Poured it all over the microphone? Jesus. Yeah. Um, why, why ditching? Why, oh, why okay. Okay, all right, so... I really only have like two claims to fame on on Instagram. One is is like flotation photography, like like conceptual playing card photography. And the other thing was ditching. Like it was really like I just, you know, kept yeah. throwing things in my lap in a way that didn't make them fall to the floor. So that's that was like my one thing. And uh, I saw Babel do it. And when did you see that? Uh, it was on the download. Right, Illusionist had done yeah. uh, something. They had sent Eric Jones out, and I got my hands on that download. Mm-hmm. And I had never seen card magic like that. I had never seen card magic that was beautiful since Tommy Wonder. You know, like you remember how Tommy Wonder, the way he would handle yeah. the cards, it was like they were floating, and his fingers would just touch it to rotate it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Babel has very much a similar thing. I mean, you and I went to go see him, mm-hmm. and he's just—he's always in control. You know, he's been busking forever, so you're never going to... If you if you want to get good at whatever you're doing, go do it on the street and make people pay attention to it. Yeah, because... You'll get good real fast. Yeah, you, you can't help it, you know. Um, it makes you take everything into account all at once, right? But I saw Babel do it, and then I saw Jan Frisch do it. And then I thought to myself, well, I could do that, you know. <laughs> um, turns out it's much harder than I thought. So the only reference at the time that I had was the annotated Slidini, uh, where he talks about using the lap as a servant, mm-hmm. right? Which is brilliant. But I knew I wanted to try something that was visually kind of stunning. So I started with changes, right? That was the kickback ditch, um, which was sort of co-created by Alec because we were trying to figure out a change at the time for a past the change. So originally it started off as a pass the change. And then I thought, oh my gosh, I could get away with this. You know, you've got a whole other level that you can play with. And so at one point I thought, I wonder if you could ditch the whole deck. Because no one does that. You know, no one ever really goes for that. So I figured out a way to do it. And then I figured out another way to do it. And then it turned into like this thing where that was the only thing that I was doing. Like, mm-hmm. like past the vanish, well, a deck is going to disappear for no good reason, you know. But the problem is, is that that's a finisher. Yeah. So it fits wonderfully into 15 seconds, right? Yeah. But the trouble is, that's very hard to fit into a routine. Because mm-hmm. once you lap the deck, uh, what do you do? Yeah. yeah. So 
it turns out it's actually a great starting point for learning deck switches, uh, which eventually got me into mucking, right? Which eventually led me sort of into like the, the gambling world yeah. of, uh, you know, gambling slights and, and everything. Um, but yeah, man, lapping, I, I do that way too much. It's, uh, it's my default. It really is. But it's a lot of fun because it is. It's got that that visually stunning moment where you're like, hold on, wait just one second. You know, yeah. like when Babel does. It's it. really powerful. It is. Yeah. It is, and it's it's. I love those moments where. When we were at MagicCon, yeah, right. Uh, but you guys invited Babel, mm-hmm. and Babel is performing in front of what was it, four hundred, five hundred, people. Yeah, a lot. Of uh, yeah, and and you have cameras on both sides of him. And he gets the ace to the glass without anyone catching him. And at the end, he points at the ace and he gets a standing ovation mid-routine because none of us caught him. I wanted to be that guy. Yeah. I wanted to be the guy who was so in control of the moment that he could do that. That it wasn't... Not some, even speaking the same language. Not even speaking the same language. I mean, you've, you've sat with him and you know, like, like the cards speak for themselves, yeah. you know. But he's got Helder. Helder does the same thing. It creeps me right the hell out. You know, you you had recommended Red Mirror at one point, and I watched that, and I was like, "Well, this is troubling." You know, like <laughs> I, I can't I can't do any of this, but I want to. Like I yeah. love that. I love card magic that is aesthetically pleasing, yeah. while at the same time conceptually challenging. Yeah. You know, I love things where you know this person is three steps ahead of everyone else. And you just you want to be taken along for the ride. That's when it's magic to me. That's no longer a puzzle. Yeah. That's magic, is because now someone is they're so far ahead. You're not going to follow them, so you might as well just enjoy the ride. Yeah, you know. Uh, so I'm working toward that. That's my that's my current direction. You know, I study a lot of the French magicians, all the the magical slight. I I study a lot of the heavy slight guys, mm-hmm. Helder, uh, Babel. Um, I still do a lot of like the gambling slides. I'm a table guy. I yeah. love the table uh, because you can let go of the deck. You know, you don't have to keep holding on to the deck. You could let it go, talk, interact with people, and then come back to it, and it might already be done. Yeah. You know? And I love that. Jason England. You watch Jason England do his routine. I was up there at the castle. And this is a problem. This is a problem that I have, and I'm going to admit to it in public. Me and Alec go up to the castle for Veterans Week. Um, immediate mistake, because Jason England is performing at the time. Jason England is like my one and only hero. And so we go to watch him perform in the close-up room. And the problem is, is that I'm clapping and getting all excited at all the wrong moments. <laughs> because I'm getting super excited every time he's second dealing. And, you know, at one point he gives me this look like, be cool, bro. <laughs> you know, like, and, but I was so elated to, to watch it happen, you know, close up because I had studied his foundation series and everything. Mm-hmm. And I probably came off a bit like a creeper. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to meet you. Uh, oh my gosh, Jason, this is so cool. Will you please shine my deck? <laughs> no, but, you know, I watched. I watched him and I thought, I want, I want to be able to do that. That's sort of what got me into brief work, into yeah. shuffling, farrowing. That's the other thing. I only ever farrow. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, that's probably it. Actually, if you think about like my card work, it's ditching, ditching, mucking, shuffling, and... Unshuffling. And unshuffling. <laughs> that's true. I'll admit to that, too. There, there is a bit of that. Uh, 
I'll explain that one later at some point. Um, but, you know, it was all these little things, but one thing led to another. And for me, I'm just chasing the rabbit. I'm just sort of following, you know, whatever style works. I don't really have a particular style. I just like sort of interacting with these people. Yeah. And it introduces you to a whole world that, you know, like I said, I know enough to have the conversation. I don't know enough to write a, you know, a thesis on it, but I do know enough that, like, I can sit down with these guys and we could have a good chat. And I love doing that. Yeah. You know, I had a four hour, what was supposed to be a one hour, two hour class with Babel that turned into a four hour lunch and he just kept going and I was like, go on, keep going, you know? And I thought, if I did this for the rest of my life, I'd be a happy man. Yeah. You know, like, figure out a way so that all I had to do. You know, handle the bills and everything, and then go and do magic just for fun. Yeah. Because this is, and this is something, you know, this kind of leads into something that I've been thinking about, you know. But lately I've been getting into an argument about whether... With whether, whom? Uh, just in general. I've had a couple of people uh, either start arguments or try to finish arguments on this uh, about the access to magic, right? Okay. Um and I found out I'm actually a terrible person to have this argument because no matter how I make the argument, I'm always going to make it from a point of privilege. I don't have to live off of this. It makes it very easy to do this because I don't have to live off of it. Yeah. When I did, magic was hard and it sucked for me. Yeah. You know, And that largely has to do with me and my outlook on it. I understand that. But it was also very, very difficult. You know, it, I felt boxed in by what I had to do in order to pay the bills. Yeah. When I ended up working somewhere else and just doing magic for myself, that's when I flourished at it. Because there was no pressure, there wasn't the monetary pressure to try to make it um, commercial, mm-hmm. commercially viable. Yeah. I just wanted to make it beautiful. You know, I wanted to make it fun. I wanted to make it surprising. Yeah. And it was great, you know. But there are people that... You know, like we get into these arguments about access to magic. Should magic be on YouTube? Should there be video downloads? Should there be um, free tutorials on, you know, websites? Should there be all this? And I always inherently make the the argument that yes, you know, because no matter how you make the argument, you're going to make the argument from two stances: um, privilege and self-interest, what you've been given and what you can get out of it, right? And the thing is, is that if you answer in the negative, if you say magic should be held back, magic should be exclusive, right? Magic should only be taught in person. You're speaking from a point of privilege, mm-hmm. right? Because chances are, if you're making that argument, you, you already are, have the secrets. Yeah, and and you were taught in person, um, which meant you had access to the people who could teach you. Um, and then you're you're probably making it from a point of self-interest because you either sell the secrets or uh, you hold a secret that you don't want to share and you don't think anyone else should because that would put pressure on you. Or there's monetary gain. From yeah. It, right. But then I was thinking about this. The 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 opposite is true, right? If you say it shouldn't, it, it shouldn't be held back. It should be open to everybody. You speak from a position that. You are obviously doing well enough that you don't have to earn your coin off of the things that are being presented. I don't. So when I make this argument, I'm inherently saying that because I don't have to go out and perform those very same moves. Mm-hmm. 
the one argument that I think makes mine slightly stronger is I also have no financial self-interest in it, which means that if it's out there and I want people to have access to it, I don't gain financially inherently from yeah. that. I want people to have access to it, and more importantly, I want people who don't have the privileges that I was given mm-hmm. access to people at the Magic Castle, yep. a father who, you know loved magic and wanted me to be better at it you know a family that was supportive of the idea i've got friends on instagram where what they do is illegal if they present it in the wrong fashion you know yeah and how do they get access because it's not like their government would just inherently let those websites through yeah you know so where are they going to get their knowledge somewhere like youtube somewhere like art of magic somewhere you know all these websites where yeah okay it may be free but you still got to invest a exactly. lot of yourself. And yeah. that's, you know, I, I come from the place of, I, I do have a fiduciary yeah. interest in it, but even if I didn't, I would want people, I would want it to be open. I would want people to have access to it because I grew up in a place where there weren't magicians. Right. I grew up in a place where, you know, if I couldn't get something online, I didn't have it. You're Yeah, you're done. I, I, yeah, argument closed. There like, were no magic shops. I had a library that had two magic books. One of them was like a, a chemistry magic book, which is bullshit. <laughs> I need to stop sipping bourbon while you're talking. <laughs> and, and, okay. the other one, and the other one had like 40 pages missing. So, you know, if it weren't for the internet, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. Right. If it weren't for the open sharing of knowledge... I wouldn't. I wouldn't be here. And and that this isn't even about magic anymore. This is about anything. This is about any point of interest that somebody has. If they if they don't have the access to it, they aren't going to be able to impact that in a way that moves it forward. That's that's fair. And and that's why I think you know I'm I constantly want to. If there's one thing that I'm still on the hunt for, it's for the beautiful amateurs. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who do things in a way that you never thought. And they do it that way because they've been largely untouched by, you know, the classics. Yeah. You know, could you imagine if card magic never went beyond 1902? We'd have a problem, you know. Yeah. Card magic after a while would just be boring, mm-hmm. you know. But then you get, you know, the Madrid school. Or then yeah. you get, you know, like the French aesthetic or, mm-hmm. you know, you get like the Americana style that Di Vernon made famous. Like mm-hmm. it takes new blood, but that new blood has to come from somewhere and it can't always come by this whole um, mentor-mentee relationship. You yeah. know, this master and apprentice thing. Yes, I, I had it. You know, Kevin Papke was my mentor for years. I was trained for a long time by Gregory Wilson, you know, but... Do I think that's the only way? No, not anymore. Yeah. And we're to the point now where everyone who's putting their fingers in their ears going, no, it shouldn't be this way, it shouldn't be this way. It's that way. Yeah. It is that way. There's no sense in arguing. Yeah. It's, we, the, the road to ignorance is closed forever at this point. You yeah. know? Um, and I think trying to destroy that is not progressing. Yeah. magic it's destroying it mm-hmm. you know at that point the most progressive thing you should do is step backwards and reassess you know yeah. because i want i want to know about some some kid in africa who has access to the internet but not a magic library i want to watch him with a deck of cards you know i want to watch you know somebody who all they have is an idea and they they pounded it out and finally you know created something that is remarkable 
Yeah. And never would have existed. Or, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut. Go ahead. I was was just going to say, or, you know, was written up 200 years ago, but they've recreated and reinvigorated this method in a thoroughly modern way that makes it fucking gorgeous. Yeah. You know, how much... The potential is limitless. Uh, yeah, the the you know it's a it's an old and kind of cliche saying, but I think that's because it's true. You know, you want to learn new tricks, read old books. Yeah, most of magic is forgotten, and there's so many things in there. You know, I hang out with a couple of a couple of guys that are old, you old know, timers. old school. You know, that well, they're not. You know, uh, David Malick isn't isn't old. Ron Connolly is you know older, but yeah. you know these guys. Oh well, yeah, I didn't mean like eight. Too late. You've I already offended like, okay, them. You know, what? you know it's fine. Let me just go further. Let me just <laughs> yeah. Let me just off. really you know if I'm, <laughs> let's go all out. No, but they. Um, you'd be surprised how many how many times they see something and they're like that's been around for years mm-hmm. and was invented by guys who didn't want the credit because now it would be attached to their name and they were busy making money off of it illicitly. Yeah. You know? So all these people who are taking credit for these moves like yeah. they're the only person in the hundreds of years that magic and card magic have been around. They're the first person who ever thought of this. You know? Yeah, I I I yeah, I am uh I don't consider myself a creative person. I don't consider myself, and I, I don't mean I, I mean magic wise. I'm not a, a like I can I can string together a bunch of moves and put together a good trick. Yeah, yeah. But like I can't come up with a method that's never been done before because yeah. I'm self aware enough to know that of the thousands and thousands of magicians <laughs> that came before me, some stupid dunce in Oklahoma did it 400 years ago. You yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. You know, before yeah, Oklahoma with Civil War cardstock. Yeah, and you're, you've yeah, got that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so like, I, I, think it's, I think it's incredibly arrogant to uh, claim origination. But on the other hand, you know, you have to say, look, this is my thing. I, I put a bunch of work into this. And Absolutely. this is what I'm contributing this is what i'm bringing about do i know if it's mine no but i'm pretty damn sure that it's mine now yeah yeah i mean if you take ownership of it and you develop it you absolutely deserve credit for having developed it of course you know my b i have a bc shuffle Mm. it's an overhand shuffle control it it is you know and it's not that it's that complicated uh jennings was the first person to publish something about jogging the overhand shuffle Mm -hmm. right but it was a jog and then you used it to maintain a break. Yeah. Right? Um, mine started off as a jog, and then I learned how to manipulate the jog to different parts, and then I never caught the break. I just left it as a brief. Right? Am I the first person to do that? Likely not. You yeah. know? Uh, more than likely, that has been around for a couple hundred years. Yeah. You know, someone shuffling cards realized, oh, you know. I can control the I could control way. the order, you know, yeah. and more than likely, it was done for gambling yeah right um does that mean that i shouldn't put my name on it no does it mean that i should say that i am the first person ever to ever create an overhand shuffle control ever probably not that's probably not the road i should i think if that's what you had done we wouldn't be friends anymore. i think that's probably true and i would deserve that that lack in my life that's really that heart in my hole i deserve (laughs) that um Hole in my heart. See, too much bourbon. Look at that. Do we need some more? Should we cap off? <laughs> A little nightcap. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that the sharing of secrets and the developing of secrets and the creation, and it's all so serious. It, it really is. And I get it. I, you know, especially from a different generation where it was hard-earned. 
you know, it was in some cases literally blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. You know, you had to drive thousands of miles to get to the castle mm-hmm. to be basically, you know, beat to hell by one of the greats and then earn your way. And those people we now call the greats. Yeah. You know, I get that. And there's a beauty to that lineage. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Is it that way now? Does it need to be that way now? I, I think that's a, that's the question to ask. Does it need to be in the future the way that it was? You know, and I don't think so. Well, I it's like okay, yes. Uh, not only do I not think so, it just isn't. There's, it, I mean, there's it, it, it doesn't. Isn't. Yeah, it doesn't have. There are people who are still chasing that. Yeah. And if that's if that's what they want to do, they should. You know, if that's how they want to progress in the magic world, absolutely. They do you think should. that's out of nostalgia? Do you think that's out of like a sense of this no. is how the old timers did it? This is how I want to do it. I think because that's. When I was learning magic, right. when I was, because I, I was self-taught, I mean, obviously I bought the books, and I, but it, so I had teachers, but they were right. authors. Um, but, but my thing was like, I have to learn the fundamentals. I have to study Vernon and Erdnays, and, and, you know, I got to go through card that. college, and I got to do all this stuff. Right, right. So that I have the fundamentals, and I understand the base, so that, you know, as I move forward, I'm yeah. building off of that. And that was just in my head is like, oh, this is what the old timers did. They, they had to start from scratch. And so mine was very much out of nostalgia. I mean, and a little bit of common sense, but it was also like I'm walking in the footsteps that all these other great magicians have done. But that's, again, that's a that's a totally reasonable approach to it. Yeah. It's not the only approach, but that's a totally reasonable no, and legitimate too. approach. And I think and, it's the only approach. I well, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> actually, all of this has been pure bullshit. That's uh, yeah. yeah. We've we've been circling back around to contradict it. Um, no, I I think that there are some cases where that is the only way to learn it. The people yeah. aren't around anymore. There's no one to film it. Yeah, someone is going to have to invest themselves into it. Yeah, you know, um, one of my favorite books of all time, Expert Card Technique. Mm-hmm. Right. What's that? He, uh, it's it's a wonderful book. It's by Dover. Dover, uh, Dover yeah, wrote yeah, it? Yeah, okay. Mr. Mr. Dover is Mr. the person Dover. who wrote it. Okay. Um, and I think it was edited by a, a Friedrich or Frederick. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Yeah. It's it's, it's Hugh Garden Browie. Just I actually know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Hugh Garden Browie. Yeah. Car technique. Get the third edition. It's got the cool stuff. It's from got Charlie all the fun stuff. Yeah. Um, we're not we're not goofy. No, not at all. Okay. But. No, like I hope it's the third edition. I'm gonna feel like such a fool. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be really awkward now. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you're gonna get someone. Actually, it's um, uh, no, it's the third American edition. Yeah, actually, uh, printed by. Mm-mm. <laughs> anyway, no, so you get a book like that. Yeah, and it's written in a much older language. Yeah, and there are some people who that was their Bible. That gets me off. I love that writing. I get that. Yeah. I yeah. No, you want to talk about that? Um, what what do you call it? Transatlantic? Is that the the like style you want to learn to talk oh yeah i didn't yeah. want to speak that way i get it i get it that's anyway, uh yeah. anyway so transcontinental i think is transcontinental actually. yeah um so you know you you get someone who studied that and a lot of it yeah they may not want to put that on camera so the only way to learn it is to sort of earn your seat at the table yeah and yeah there's a beauty to that and then usurp it from them and then film it. yeah and then you film it for, for profit <laughs> Oh, that'd be so much funnier if it wasn't true. I know. Oh, oh too real. <laughs> too real. Right. We gotta come uh, back. Yeah, up. yeah. Back there's up. there's a French phrase for this. Um, le awkward. Uh, that's <laughs> no, uh, but, but all right. no, yeah, you have no, to sit all right. down so, and earn your so, keep. But then once once you've earned it, it's now yours to 
you are the steward of that knowledge. Yeah. Right? Um, for instance, I've, I've learned a lot from, from these guys. You know, people like Ron Conley, people like David Malik, uh, who, you know, they, they were kind enough to let me sit at the table and just, you know, leave my ears open while these guys just talked. And I love it. That's I, the I best. Think, yeah. I love that so much. Right? And and you you watch these guys at play and it's better than anything you could work at, you know? But more than likely, they're not going to put that stuff on film. Mm-hmm. And this is where my argument is. And even inside myself, should that be shared? Yeah. Or should it be given its due time before it's shared? Mm-hmm. And who decides when that due time? Yeah. What's, Again, what's I... You know, for me, I, I think if it's something that they created and they claim as their own, it depends on what they're comfortable with. Yeah. You know, Babel. Babel has created some beautiful routines. How long should it be before that's released to the public? Well, he, he should decide that. I agree. And then if he passes away, I think at that point, if no one's living off of it in terms of like a trust or something like that, I think it's free game. I yeah. think at that point, the world should know. You know that that's their legacy at that point. Yeah. You know, and to hoard that legacy is to kill off the knowledge and the beauty that they created. I I completely agree, hundred percent. So, um, I don't know that. But again, I do I do have that argument. Should people learn in person? Absolutely. Every chance you get, yes. you should learn yeah, in person definitely. because there's so many subtleties in everything. You yeah. know, I showed you that that one turnaround that Babel showed me to get mm-hmm. a card into Palm. I, I could sit around all week and not think of that, you know. Yeah. But you sit down for five minutes, and all you gotta do is buy the guy a drink, and you learn all this, you know, crazy subtle, awesome, slight that you'd never come across, yeah. And you'd never think of because it's not your style, yeah. You know, so I love hunting that. But again, I'm speaking from a point of privilege. I'm 33. I've got a job that I don't have to make my money off of magic which means i have enough money besides that i can treat these guys to lunch i can treat them to dinner mm-hmm. and they don't owe me anything but yet for some reason they are willing to take their time and invest in me david malik doesn't owe me anything yeah you know and yet this is the guy who for he's the king i mean he is yeah you know he's a very benevolent um, monarch uh but no he you know for for no good reason he's the one who built the monday night jams website you know, he saw that it was it was available, and he snagged it before someone else could to like profit off of it. Calls me up one day, hey, I built you a website. I hope you enjoy. For you know, just out of the kindness of his heart, you know, yeah. Ron Conley for no good reason puts up with my existence. You know, <laughs> I will come over to his house and bug him, and then we will sit there and talk shop and theology for hours on end, as yeah. long as I provide in and out. Like that's my only requirement. <laughs> You know, but again, that's coming from a point of privilege. How many people are actually going to get that? Yeah. You know, someone in Slovakia will likely never meet Ron Conley in person. Yeah. You know, so does that knowledge die with the fact that those two will never meet? Or does it need to be published at some point in some way, shape, or form? I think it absolutely should. By hook or by crook, I feel like it should. Yeah. You know, now, on his terms, while he's alive, it's on his terms. Absolutely. You know, and even after he passes away, again, I think that falls to the people in his the discretion. Steward. Yeah, the, yeah, the people who are the stewards of his knowledge. Um, but once it's once they make the decision that it should be there, people need to shut the hell up and start practicing. Yeah. Just enjoy it. Yeah. You know? And stop trying to hoard, you know, this, yeah. this 
this art, this knowledge, this craftsmanship, you know? So anyway, that's, that's my tirade on that. But it's so important. And, you know, for anybody listening, it's so important to just go, especially if you're super new into it, find somebody that you think is good. Find anybody, somebody that's been doing it a little longer than you, but you think is interesting and has a good way of looking at it. Just go and sit down and shut your mouth and listen to them and soak it up. And then you can you can decide for yourself what you like and what you don't like, but just listen. I yeah. Mean, oh, my God. It's so cool Yeah. to hear other people yeah, they, share here's, here's what I don't Here's what I don't think. I don't think you should idolize, idolize the creation, not the creator. Mm-hmm. Idolize, you know, the craftsmanship of what they've built. But the problem is, is, you know, it's like when someone with a million dollars tries to give marriage advice. You know, it's the authority bias. Yeah. Because they have been successful in the creation or of Or 30,000 followers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, if I try to give advice on on something, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a book called The Richest Man in Babylon, right? And in it, it makes a very, very good point. It says... Uh, if you wish to know about jewels, ask the jewelry merchant. Do not ask the brickmaker, right? Yeah. But people keep asking brickmakers about jewels. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people who are remarkable at magic and at almost nothing else. Yeah. Listen to them about magic. Yeah. And then all the other stuff, listen to someone else. Yeah. You know, but don't idolize the person and their philosophy on life. Because their magic is beautiful. Yeah. You know, there are people who are very opinionated about things and there's almost a pressure to follow in suit because you want to know their magic Mm -hmm. and you want to be a part of their world. You don't have to agree with them to appreciate what they've done. Yes. You know, so if you do find that mentor, if you do find that someone, live your life, think for yourself, by all means, take the notes. Yes, listen, shut up, but then decide for yourself. Absolutely. Jim Rohn had a great quote. Make sure in the end what you do is the product of your own conclusions. You know, everyone is answerable to their own brain. Mm-hmm. Everyone is answerable to their own conscience and their own thinking and their own work. You know, the beautiful thing about magic is that in the end, your work will speak for itself. You know, it doesn't matter who taught you. It doesn't matter, you know, your, your thoughts on politics. It doesn't matter any of that. Your work, in the end, what you do will mm-hmm. speak for itself, you know. So usually the people who know the least talk the loudest. You yeah, know, that's, and Why then, do you think I have a podcast? Yeah, I was like, you know, me too. 30,000 followers. Woo! You know. Two peas in the pot. That's here. right. That's right. There's, But again, I think that's important. There's a level of authority that is assigned to people who are famous or insta-famous or whatever yeah. um, that is not due to them. They haven't earned it. Yeah. You know, and even me, like I, you know, if I say something, I usually wax philosophic when it comes to how people should interact. But should you listen to me? Only if what I say serves you. Mm-hmm. Only if what I say promotes the growth of something that you're looking to grow. Yeah. You know, other than that, ignore it. You know, take take the notes and then if you don't find it useful, tear it up. Use it for kindling. So, anyway. Wait, are we going now? Yeah. Oh, okay. We just went and got some more bourbon. Now we're back. Now we're back. And back to fun time with friends. Fun with friends. Fun with friends. Gosh, that's the third Pete Holmes ripoff in this episode. So <laughs> we're not well, I'm pretty sure Pete Holmes got it from somewhere, too. No, no way. No, I don't know. 
It's totally possible. Yeah. It's totally possible. God, I hope it's nothing possible. new under the sun. No, all is vanity, vanity of vanities. We wanted to do that on a pocket square. Vanity of vanity? No, all is vanity. That you know that. Oh, that nice. Yeah. Uh, we never did it. We'll do it one day. I like the locksmith one. That one's really cool. It's cool, right? I, I mean, really like that. It's That's bad. really yeah. I, I gotta order one. Um, it's gotta. Because I want to be fashionable like you. By the way, let's be clear here. Elliot is the most fashionably dressed person I have ever known ever in the history of ever. It's like him. Yeah. Yeah, it's him and that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> well, I was about you. to give a list and then I couldn't think of anyone to like keep up with you. Well, maybe. All right. So so Dave does a good job. Dave does a good job. That's largely due in part to me. Yeah. And then David. David does a good job. And then David. Um, David has his moments. David does have his moments, and that's largely due to you. He has a good sense of style, but he's not stylish all the time. Yeah, no. See, I'm. I, I don't care. I. I will. I'm like graphic tee for free. Let me wear that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's so great. What do you mean I'm advertising for other people? I don't care. <laughs> no, and then you I know, only advertise for myself. Yeah. Well, no. I the other the only other like fashion person that I know is David Malik. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and it. he's the king. He is the king, so you're screwed. I'm sorry. Yeah. He, I've never seen him dressed up. I've only seen him at the Monday Night Jams. Well, yeah, I, and, and that's supposed to be relaxed. Like, yeah, you no, show, I know, yeah. Yeah, you show dressed up and you look weird. Like, that's, yeah, that's well, I'm not yeah. dressed up. I didn't dress up at the last one. I feel like even when you're not dressed up, you're dressed up. I can't help that I have nice things. Okay, that's fair. That's actually you could. Like, like oh, okay, you could, be, you I, could yeah, lead a very austere okay, life. Let me... Let me, let me uh, Go ahead, backtrack. This is going to go well for you. <laughs> I was just going to say, let me let me rephrase. I can't help that I left the house in things that are nice. Because I can't not leave the house in things that are not nice. I think I got too many knots in there, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Do you not like not aren't not? <laughs> um, but thank you. I appreciate that a lot. I do. It's something that I... You, you, you care and it shows. You, your, your magic and well, your fashion are of a higher end. I think it's, I think it's important in in performance and every moment of your life is a performance fair I think it's it's fair that in performance you want to think about how you're impacting your audience and that be maybe your best friend or that may be your future wife or your wife's parents or your husband you know whatever or random people in the street these these people are your audience and I care enough about myself to want to give my audience no matter who they are a particular impression of myself as a performer and of my performance i you you craft well your appearance i you know that you are a craftsman to the end and i do think that you you take the time to craft how you appear to others because you you are everyone is judged by the way that they look whether it should be or not you know jim Rome. Mm-hmm. I, I quote that guy a lot, but I listen to him forever. He used to have a really fun saying. He used to say, uh, people will judge you by the way you look. Mm-hmm. And you may not like that, but when you get your own planet, you can rearrange this whole deal. Until then, you got to take it like it is. <laughs> you know? yeah. it's, and it's true. Uh, I you, think there's a Mark Twain quote. I, I'm probably misremembering it, but it's something like, uh, clothes make the man. Naked people have never been much... Uh, been worth much in society or something like it's that you know probably valid it's true but no i you know i've had this argument too you know when i perform i normally wear a blazer nice shoes 
you know, mm-hmm. jeans and sort of like a mm-hmm. like a button up. Yeah. Um, and that's very, very much on purpose. You know, I there was a time where I was very, very strict. It was a short time, but but I was very strict about the way that I dressed. I wanted to I wanted to adult, mm-hmm. right? And I tried it, and it turned out that the the truth is I'm not very good at the business adult. Mm-hmm. You know, I I very much I like meeting people to have drinks. I like meeting people on their terms, just sort of at their level. Yeah. And whenever I was meeting people strictly in a business fashion, if I showed up, uh, people got very, very tense. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I showed up in jeans and a t-shirt and nice boots, I do believe shoes do make the man. Yeah. I do think you should... Uh, my twin has a really good saying. He says you should spend good money on anything between you and the ground. And I think that's true. Uh, but... That's a great saying. Isn't it? Yeah, because, yeah. you know, your bed, your car, your clothes, all of it, it applies. Um, That's great. But the... Uh, I do wish that I dressed as well as you, though. Because I don't have a fashion sense. I really... I suck at it. You know? I'm like, oh, yeah, green shirt and pink pants. Let's do this. Yeah. At least colorblind people will think I'm just wearing gray that day. <laughs> um, I, first, let me say... Thank you so much. I appreciate that a lot. You're welcome. Second, I'm happy to help you out. Which I appreciate. And that goes to anybody <laughs> listening. If you... Uh, maybe I'll take that back. Yeah. There's but, I, but I am very helpful. And I, I one of my true passions is helping people with their style. But honestly, I I learned... I was never confident as a kid because I was always like really chubby. Okay. And that manifested itself in anger. I get that. And lashing out at people. I get that. And once I, like, got old enough to have my own money, Mm -hmm. fashion became, like, a defense mechanism. It was a way to cover up what I was uncomfortable with in my body, and it drew the attention away. Now, I'm much more comfortable in my own skin. I'm much less angry. I'm much more happy and confident. Right. But I appreciate the aesthetic of it. So I kind of fell into it by accident. I would watch TV shows... Like, I was talking with uh, David yesterday <laughs> about this. Burn Notice on USA. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, Michael Weston. Michael Weston was oh, such guy. a goddamn badass. Oh, yeah. And he wore Armani suits all the time. I was like, I want to wear Armani stuff so I, I can that. feel like that. I get that. I and, and I love his whole... Actually, one of the best shows on learning, like, how to think white your color. way through magic. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, White Collar and then uh, Burn Notice. Yeah. Teaches you to think like a spy. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Me too. And, but so it was It was a, like a, a defense mechanism and also like it was a way that I, I, I attributed this confidence and this kind of, and I hate this word, but I'm going to use it, this swagger to, you know, feeling like you own the room. And, and, and it works both ways. It does. It really, it's weird because you sort of, you sort of did that to present that. And in a weird way, like when I first met you, one of the reasons I thought that you were older than me was because you were you seemed more put together you stood straighter than i did you know and uh it it really is it's it's very much i know it's on purpose but there's also a perception thing that mm-hmm. whether you mean to or not it, yeah. it really does come off that way me i i you know i i sort of like being the guy on the couch just sort of kicking it but as you know we are now but yeah. Uh, Which is all we're doing. We're just two guys talking. Chilling out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so sorry if we're boring the hell out of you people who really wanted like thorough magical knowledge 
Um, yeah, this is great. People love this. Read expert card technique. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> that's no, but seriously. That's a great uh, one. third edition. Is that is that what we agreed upon? I, yeah, I think that's what we decided was the right one. <laughs> But yeah, I you know when I was so fashion is your thing outside of magic. Yeah, okay. yeah, one hundred percent. Okay, all right. I'm always intrigued to find out. You know, if like, I lost my hands, uh, that's not a good. That's, that's a terrible thing. If I if I were to walk away from magic, a hundred percent, I would step into fashion. Interesting. You know what I did yesterday? What? I spent six hours watching documentaries about Tom Ford. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. You were not kidding. I was not kidding. You were okay. That's right. what I did yesterday on the Fourth of July, while David yeah. was at the beach with a bunch of people he didn't know. You were the one watching the documentaries. Home. Like this is super interesting. Watching this is great. Tom Ford talk about fashion. That's hey, but it's it's something that you, I'm always fascinated. You know, some of the best people that I know always have some other passion besides magic. You know why? Why? Or, well, go ahead and finish what you were going to say. Well, no. Well, no, because mine is tangential to that. I I interrupted you too soon. No, no. That's uh, Well, I was just going to say the the most interesting people that I found and my favorite magicians, the best magicians that I see, have passions outside of magic. They live three-dimensional lives. Yeah. Are interesting people and know about things that don't pertain to the Jordan count. You know? Yeah, they, yeah. They, they're like they they have something to say, and that comes out through their character, through their performance, through everything. Every yeah. facet of them is interesting. Yeah, and there 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 was something uh, Charlie Munger right talked about mm-hmm. mental models, right? That the idea that one form of knowledge will inherently affect another form of knowledge, that some of the best you know knowledge that he has on investing largely those models were developed by chemistry and science and Mm -hmm. things like that uh you know ron conley bird photography really and he's remarkably good at it yeah and then you know how do you how how are you good at bird photography uh you actually catch the bird without it being a blur i guess i I mean i don't know i don't know anything yeah well but i mean like you know a lot of (laughs) i'm not kidding a lot of the advice i get on like how to film with my DSLR, I got from him because he actually knows what he's talking about with photography. And then, uh, you know, like David Malik, you know, with him, it's fashion and food. Mm -hmm. You know, you find out these guys' stories and it's it's fascinating who these people are away from a deck of cards. Because you're right, it absolutely affects the way that they approach the table. Yeah. uh, Well, and you know, it's one of those things that like, these are the people that become your closest friends because when you hang out with them, you don't talk about magic. You don't have to. Yeah, no. it's not. It's not You're enriching each other in another way. Yeah, like you have common ground to start with magic, and then you know after a while, you you can only go so far with. Uh, so Erdnes, right? Yeah. Oh, page you forty-three. You on that bottom deal. Yeah. Dead cut fourteen cards. Yep. <laughs> Which we did. We did that while waiting for a show. We seriously kept trying to dead cut for. 30 minutes? 40 yeah, minutes? it was fun. It was, actually. It was pretty entertaining. Yeah. This is how we know we're damaged. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, but I, I really... That's... Uh, I forget who it was. Maybe it was you who, who told me this, that a lot of people lack in magical performance because they haven't developed themselves as whole people. That sounds like something I would say. It does sound like something. You know, that so many people get so invested in the craft that they forget that 
you're a person who has to interact with people in order to do it. Yeah. You know, and you can see that immediately. Okay, all right, so perfect example. Billy Peavy House, right? Founder of We Deceive. This guy is the king of doing contests on Instagram. Yeah. Like contests you actually have to interact with, right? And so at one point, we tried to do a performance, right? We perform, uh, in which people would upload videos of them doing a live performance to someone. Yeah. It was the worst performing uh, competition that we had. Um, and half the entries, people spent the entire time staring at their hands. And so you sort of find out, like, the towel got ripped off, and now we know, you know? Yeah. Like, like, people really hadn't developed that, that part of themselves. Well, and that's kind of the, the big argument amongst you know there's that faction of magicians it's like social media and 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 sharing is ruining magic because people aren't performing for real people anymore and they're just doing it for the camera i get that i do too i I but at the same time fuck off yeah you know there you know you don't get to dictate what you don't get to dictate what's make what makes me happy what i do you know for fun True. i think if you're going to step into that arena you are held to that standard yeah if you are going to step into a live performance you are held to the standards of a live performance but I know a bunch of professional practicers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Practitioners? But you think... Practitioners. I would say practicers. I would say practicers, because practitioners put what they practice into action. Fair point. Right? Fair point. That's... I, that, I probably just BS that, but... That's okay. That it sounded good. Sense. You sounded confident, and that's important. That is important. That's Language is made but... by someone making up a word and then enough people using it. That's really how that goes. That's a true fact. Selfie. There we go. So, <laughs> um, did you know... That the word literally was changed in the Oxford Dictionary to mean both literally and the way that it's figuratively and figuratively. So we don't even have a word that means literally anymore. That's a problem. That's literally it scary. It doesn't have any synonyms. That's who is the guy that made the threat that way? He's like, you know, they changed that definition. So when I say I'm literally going to kill you, you have no. So idea. when I say when I say I'm literally going to burn this building down without giving you the keys, you don't know if I'm speaking figuratively or literally. That was Leona Lansing in season three of the Newsroom. That's what it is. Okay, my favorite TV show of all time. Oh yeah, no that that one and uh, Newsroom is such a smart show. I love that. I love. I Real signed me. up for the master class uh, of Aaron Sorkin teaching screenwriting. Bullshit. Yes. How did you do that? You go to masterclass.com and you pay $90 and then you're in it. That's awesome. Do you want to do it with me? Can we be classmates? Hell yeah, we can. Yes. Are you kidding me? Wait, so where excited. are the classes? How do you do the classes? It's in like 30 days. It's oh, like okay. a month and a half from now. That's but they're online. You just There's like 25 lessons and you get like homework and shit. And like, okay. It's, so, yeah. so here's the thing. Okay, folks listening, this is important. Learn... By God, learn from places outside of magic. Find movies, find you know filmmakers, directors, editors. Find authors and poets and, and, and people that you find inspiring outside of magic and study them and understand why they do what they do and photography and art and all this kind of stuff and let that influence. That's what we're talking about, being a three-dimensional person. Yeah. Let that influence what you do Absolutely. in your magic. Robert, Robert McKee. I used to run Borders Books, right? Yeah. This is what I meant. When, when I dropped out of college i immediately went to work for borders books yeah and when they were still around it was brilliant in terms of education you could check out two books at a time even if they were new it didn't matter Mm -hmm. um they would if you were a manager they would give you a a gift card 
and you could use it in store to buy books. So I have a very, very extensive library because I worked for them for like six years. Yeah. It was the most thorough education I had ever received. It paled or, or it, it overshadowed college, everything in college, you know, up until then because it was on every subject. Uh, you know, it was on religion, philosophy, science, language, writing. Robert McKee story, right? I was running the Palm Springs store or Palm Desert and uh, Robert McKee had to give a talk out there and he needed books sold. So he went through our store. So I got to listen to Robert McKee talk about uh, the art of story, Mm -hmm. storytelling, and he's a very prolific screenwriter. That book is probably the best book on magic and storytelling that has ever been written and no one is reading it because it wasn't printed by Hermetic Press. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, some of the most... And there are tons of books like that. Oh my God. They're just, you know, a a lot of the most interesting books that I've, I've gotten the most from my magic perspective weren't even remotely related. They were probably on the opposite end of things, you know. But one of the main things I think is story. I think if you're going to start somewhere... Yes, by all means, take take inspiration wherever you can, but start with story. Start with language, start with writing, start with finding a way to express your ideas. Mm-hmm. And then I think you will get more from the people who are expressing theirs. Because not only will you gain their ideas, but you'll gain the perspective that probably generated the ideas. Oh, wow, that's profound. Thank you. Yeah, that's Thanks. really great. I only have like one or two of those a year, so that's one. I'm glad we got Oh, my God. Nice. I got you got recorded. Oh, we're done. That's off. We're done. And we yeah. got it. Yeah, stop. Cut. Yep. Cut. Everything's going to be stupid from here on out. <laughs> we got it. Now we can just dick around. Uh, you got to stop sipping bourbon when I'm talking. Par, par for the course. <laughs> here we go. Um, yeah, I, I mean, oh, gosh, it's so important. One of my favorite, um, One of my favorite books is called the annotated mona lisa and it's just an art history book that's cool it's you know it's maybe like 150 pages huge pictures it, it just goes through you know all these different movements and talks a little bit about them who the famous painters were what was important at the time it gives you historical context and that's it and you just go through and you just read it and you go oh that's why they painted about that Oh, this! All the paintings from this period in the 1980s are sad because that's when AIDS was happening. That makes sense. You know, like it just it, it just makes and it just provides this creates a narrative. And... It creates a narrative and it provides a context and it's just really cool. But there's a lot of there, you know there's a lot of books like that and Tad Waddington, lasting contribution. It's maybe 90 pages and easily the most interesting book I have ever read in my life. Lasting contribution. Lasting contribution. He is a Doctor of Chinese Harmonutics. Okay. So the way language is expressed, right? Wow. Uh, yeah, so you can imagine. But this book, yeah. it, it goes through Aristotle's four causes. Okay. And I wish I knew those off the top of my head. Uh, well, let me see if I can do it. All right, so, so it's, the example is climbing a mountain. So you've got, what do you have? You've got this the, reminds me, I'm sorry, this reminds me of, again, the newsroom. When Mac is like, have you ever read Euripides? And he's like, oh yeah, I read it in college. No, fuck you, I haven't read Euripides. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, anyway, go ahead. All right, all right. So you've got uh, formal, efficient, material, and final. Wow, that was a little easier than I thought it would be. Okay, so formal is the plan, right? Uh, Material is what you have at hand. Efficient is the work. And then Mm -hmm. the final is the goal, Yeah. right? 
So they talk about climbing a mountain, mm-hmm. right? In Tad Waddington's book, he talks about climbing a mountain, right? Um, you know, the formal would be the route you're going to take. The material would be everything that you need to uh, make the bring with you, right? Uh, the efficient would be actually putting one foot in front of the other, and then the final cause is because it's fucking there, you know? So, but it's this fascinating book because it's one long bibliography. The man pulls from so many different places. Yeah. You're left awestruck at just someone who can uh, synthesize yeah just all of that knowledge um, and from so many so many disparate areas yeah into this tiny little book yeah and it's it's on Kindle everyone should read it it's it's probably in my list I I, while I was working for Borders it Mm -hmm. was sort of necessary to read as many books as you could so I read three books a week for six years wow and probably only 20 or 30 of those were like absolutely mind-bogglingly life-changing for me right and tad waddington's is in like my top five wow you know um so you're not fucking around you know what you're talking about no i'm I'm okay i'm okay when it comes to reading i think (laughs) but yeah no it's still that's the other thing everyone should should develop the library yeah you know everyone should really and not just not just the books that you're reading right now yeah that's the other thing is uh umberto echo right had a library of over ten thousand volumes and uh, this is a story from, from Nassim Nicholas Taleb, right? And uh, people used to say, oh, Professor, like, how many of these books have you read? And he was honest. He would say, very few. You know, this library is intended to be filled with the ideas I have yet to discover. You know, which yeah. I thought was this beautiful idea. That's you know? such a beautiful way to justify and rationalize your, your, your lack of session. <laughs> like, get to work, Umberto. No, no, that's not what I, I mean, I... I books that I don't ever read all the time. Well, no, but but it's should. the idea. No, no, no. I, yeah, it's the idea that you're you're cultivating an aesthetic almost. This is what I want to learn, and that yeah. is just as influential as having that information. Absolutely. I it, you know it it it's guides you. Yeah, I you know I probably have two hundred audio books and maybe twelve hundred ebooks. Many. That's too many. That it is. It is. But. <laughs> But, I mean, if you were reading a book a week, yeah. you know, 52 books a year, yeah. over the course of a lifetime, mm-hmm. you've read a library. Yeah. You've absorbed the knowledge, whether you mean to or not, you've absorbed the knowledge of countless people. Mm-hmm. Stuff that took them 10, 20, 30 years, yeah. you know, and you've read that many. Let's call it 50. Mm-hmm. And let's say it took them 20 years. You've now absorbed 1,000 years of knowledge in one year. That's brilliant. Yeah. You know, this is why people should read the classics. They've stuck around for a reason. Yes. It took people 30 years to get the courage to write something as struggling as Crime and Punishment mm-hmm. or Hard Times or Dickens, you know. Moby and Dick. Moby Dick. Something something really hard mm-hmm. to get through. You can't just read the easy stuff, you yeah. know. It's like C. Spot James Run. Joyce. I mean, holy cow. Yeah, this is like I, I don't. I don't think I've read James Joyce. But You're, you call yourself an Irishman. You haven't read James Joyce. I should. I really should. I was. I was too busy uh, reading the Summa Theologica. So boom. <laughs> anyway, um, hold on. Wait. Let me. Yeah, a little bitter. Um, no, but you. You should absolutely. Like I've probably got. I don't know. Fifty volumes on magic yeah. and and various forms i've read very few mm-hmm. to be perfectly fair i've read very few i use them for reference absolutely but i've rarely gone through them from cover to cover the ones that i have i've loved um but helder helder you know said that you should go through them and then take away what you like and to an extent i believe him you know 
But magic is different, you know. It's sort of like when you're trying to learn math, it'd be very hard to skim a calculus book. You know, there's a very active form of knowledge in magic books that mm -hmm. isn't present in something like a self-help book, mm -hmm. that isn't present in even a book on writing or a book on philosophy. Yeah, you may have to struggle with the ideas, but in our craft, you not only have to struggle with the uh, method, but you also have to struggle with the presentation, the philosophy, the timing, so many different aspects. You know, you could learn it in a day and not do it well for the rest of your life, even if you practiced every day of your life, if you do it wrong. Yeah, you know, so I, you know, by all means, this is this is sort of why, you know, I think there's this level of knowledge when it comes to magic, right? Uh, books and the written word are probably the hardest but most exhaustive, mm -hmm. right? There will forever be numerous magical references in written form. Yeah, but we're now getting to a point where it's being pretty closely matched by visual, right? Audio visual. So now you've got DVDs. Now you've got downloads, um, and that I think is stronger. If only because now you have something to go off of. Um, now, that may actually end up being a weakness in the long term because it means that you will inherently imitate what you see. We can't mm -hmm. help it. Mirror neurons, it's how we learn to speak. It's how we learn to do everything. So more than likely, you're going to end up copying the person that you're watching. Mm -hmm. right? And then that, that final form is when you're in person because that's where you learn all the subtleties and everything. Yeah. Um, but usually the people that I find the most interesting magic are the readers because there's no visual form to imitate. So you find out exactly what they could come up with just by their lonesome, you know? Mm. And, and, and what's interesting is like the readers, mm -hmm. you know, when you, when you say come up with on their, by, on their lonesome, by their lonesome, by their lonesome, by their lonesome. it's fine. No, don't worry. Lonesome. It's cool. I'll misquote Let you. Let me start over. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, you see those people that read a move, uh -huh. and then they do it, and then they show it to you, and it's either bad, because uh -huh. they don't know what it's supposed to look like, or they really worked on it, and yeah. they really understood the meaning and the words in between the lines, and right. really understood what, what the purpose of it was, and it looks fucking Amazing. It's really good. Yeah. All right. So and that those are the people where you go. You are next level. That right? is amazing. That's incredible. Well, and that's that's. I love finding those people. I love sitting with those people because just you, aspire to be that. Person. Yeah. I Jesus. Mean, I know. I get to work, Jeremy. And <laughs> <laughs> I looked at the microphone when I yeah. said that. But um, yeah, oh, get to work, Mike. Yeah, get to work, Mike. But like, uh, I want you to finish what you were going to say. But one of my favorite books that Dave actually gave to me to read is called In Pursuit of Elegance by Matthew. Yeah, Mann. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's a phenomenal work on 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 just aesthetic inevitability and it just, you know, it it's something that kind of knocks around in my head when I'm practicing a move. It's like what is this what's the inevitability of this move? What's it supposed to when will it click and I'll go, "Oh shit." Yeah. That's what that move That's the one. That's yeah, that, that moment of inspiration. In, in math, there's a, there's a saying in math that math in order to be true must be beautiful. Yes. Yes. Right? Exactly. That the best proofs in the world are always elegant. They're yeah. always so elegant. squared. It's just so... Yeah. It's just, you know, the Pythagorean theorem. Oh. It, it doesn't squares. look like much until you attach squares. Yeah. Right? And then you realize... A squared plus B squared equals C squared. And so there's like... And a, that's universally true forever, forever. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, like, right? it's so, yeah. like, holy shit. Yeah, it's... I, I, I love finding that stuff. That's actually one of the reasons why, it, you know, I don't like 
magic books that are just about magic. Mm-hmm. I don't like magic books that are just about method and um, uh, routines. Mm-hmm. It actually bothers the hell out of me because I want to know the person behind it. I want to know, you know, it's one of the reasons why I'm so fond of uh, Giobi, mm-hmm. you know, because he can't help but toss in his philosophy. You know, or Tommy Wonder's essays. Oh my God, Tommy! That's the other thing. He's, he's yeah, one of the best magicians that ever lived. I, ever. I, mean, I think he is probably like the most unsung hero on the philosophy of magic. You know, everyone talks about Tom Reese. Everyone talks about Ascanio. Everyone talks about Darwin Ortiz, and everyone forgets the books of wonder. Like, I just see that's interesting that you say that because the magicians that I talk to about theory mention Tommy Wonder second or third. Okay. Sometimes first. So it's interesting that we have that disconnect and that, you know... Well, you're also hanging with a different crowd. Yes, you're that's hanging true. with and the that's guys what who I'm, are like that's what who are pro and that makes sense. If yeah. you're pro, you'd have to come across Wonder. Eventually, you would you would probably need in order to progress, you would need to come across Wonder. Yeah. And you would have to absorb his ideas. You know, Darwin I have a huge respect for Darwin's mental models. Mm-hmm. I think I think Darwin Ortiz has some of the most remarkable thinking. Um, I don't necessarily see that in his performance. You know, when I look at some of the routines, I don't think that he has designed miracles. Yep. I don't necessarily see strong magic. Mm-hmm. That being said, does that mean that what he's, he said in the books is any true? Yeah. Someone someone once told me that. Uh, uh, who provides the knowledge gives value to the knowledge, and I don't think that's true. I think who uses the knowledge provides value to the knowledge. So even though he's the person who presented the knowledge and maybe cannot uh, present it, you know, physically in his performances, that doesn't make the knowledge any less valuable. Because I've watched people design miracles, yeah, and at the end of it, I'm like, yeah, I I can't even handle it. I, well, knowledge to me is like potential energy, and all you have to do is activate that. And so I would agree with you. It's not it's it's not necessarily who creates it, but who activates it, who uses it and Yeah. Know, yeah. Because I think I the totally person agree. who says it, if if you were to base the value of knowledge based on the person who said it, you must always confine that knowledge to the area that the person who specializes in. You know? I, I guess it also depends on how you define knowledge. Good point. Right? Good point. So everything has to be taken with a grain of salt, and I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not Darwin's, Darwin, Mr. Ortiz's biggest fan, but Designing Miracles is one of the first books I ever read, and I loved it, and I still love that book. Well, there's, it's fascinating how often it's it's referenced. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's, it's the like, annotated Erdnays, Darwin Ortiz's Erdnay. Absolutely, I, I read that right after I read The Expert at the Card Table, and that's why I loved it. I, I still do the false shuffle in the back of it. And it's remarkable. Now, you know, I again, I, I didn't know what Darwin was like before he wrote the books. Mm-hmm. So for all I know, that was a huge, drastic improvement. I don't know. Yeah. You know, what I can say is it's a beautiful pair of works, and everyone mm-hmm. should read them. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got, like, the list of everyone should read Card College because yeah. it gives yeah. you a taste of Giobi. You know, everyone should read the Books of Wonder. Um, what else? I think I think that anything that you can read and absorb, I think is that, important that and is valuable you. because, yeah, it excites you and it also gives you something to maybe disagree with, 
If you disagree with something, you're either right or you're wrong, but you have to figure out which one you are. That's right. You are answerable to your own brain. You yeah. are answerable to your own conscience. It's it's not... And that's, that's what I mean. That's sort of uh, the... The distinction that I think people need to make when they talk about this whole mentor-mentee thing. You need to disagree. Yeah. You need to challenge. You need to find out where you stand. Especially with magic. Yes. Especially right now. Yes. Because magic, I think dialogue in general, uh, especially in like the political arena, it's sort of developed this very contentious relationship that people are on one side or the other. Mm. And it leaves very little room for you to not pick sides. Yeah. But that also is sort of bled over into magic. Where people are saying, it must be this way. And other people are saying, well, it must be this way. And yeah. I think at some times, the strongest position that you can make is... Or the strongest position that you can take, rather, is that it could be gray. It could be both. It could be neither. You know, And yeah. that this sort of absolute look on things is dangerous at times. You know, If it was always one way then you're making the mistake that's always that way in all cases. Yeah. Until a new case comes along and totally shatters it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I don't know. It's, again, I'm sort of waxing philosophic here, but I, I really... <laughs> it's a podcast. Fair. That's a fair <laughs> point. That's a, you, make a, you make a fair case for that. I, I really, really think that we need to sort of upgrade the level of discourse in magic. I think we need to have discussions not about what it should be but what it could be you know i think we need to stop talking about uh you know oh these are the rules of magic and start talking about these are the possibilities yeah you know because i think that will cause it to grow now should it have rules yeah you probably shouldn't explain your trick to your audience unless you're doing it in a really but what if you do you know vernon would explain the french shop at the end of the at the end of the cups and balls and he would he would say you know he would point to the key ring and the the linking rings, and he would say, you know, this one obviously has to have a hole in it. But then, you know, in the cups and balls routine and in the linking rings, he would immediately disprove that or knock you on your ass with some kind of effect. Well, okay, all right. So uh, this is this is another distinction. So it's that gray line. Yeah. Well, and and we're talking about the difference between exposing, explaining, and teaching. Mm -hmm. Right. This is this is something else I've had to battle with. Right. I've been on YouTube a couple of times now. Yeah. Um, teaching things. What's Hopefully, you, what's YouTube? Uh, it's a social network where people upload videos. Um, I'll I'll show you all about it. Okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm going. What's Facebook? <laughs> um, no, but I've been on there and I've caught in flack for it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, cotton. Not a word. It is a word, but used wrong. So let me try that again. I've caught flack. You've received. For it. Flack. I have received flack for my endeavors um and like I was I, like, yeah i was like cotton is a word jeremy cotton is a word and you should <laughs> use it correctly next time <laughs> no but i have woolen flack for this yes yes i have i have cashmered much flack mm -hmm. anyway so just don't polyester it yeah i never do um i do all the time i don't know what i'm talking about so you know a lot of people are like oh you're exposing no that's not true yeah. Exposing would be what the masked magician does. This is how it's done. Now, fuck you. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really like, like it's an up yours to the magic industry. And mm -hmm. all the explanation after the fact is BS. You know, mm -hmm. oh, I'm trying to push magic along. Bullshit. That's, that yeah. you're, you're trying to make money and you're hiding behind an excuse. Um, explaining is Mask something magician, different. please be on my podcast. Or yeah, rebut. yeah. So, 
And then explaining is a level above, right? Now you're not just saying, this is the secret. You're saying, this is the secret in the context of the performance. Yeah. Which is slightly better, but has the potential to go one way or the other. Like you're talking about, Vernon uses it as a setup for an even greater... Uh, that then disproves... Yeah, that then disproves form. it. Like right? the line in Nerd Days. Um, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's... Listen to Jerichoff's episode when it, you know, comes out. And there you go. He, he quotes it immaculately, but it's something to the extent of, you know, there must be uh, a plausible sophistry that apparently explains the proceedings, but in reality does the contrary or something something like that something like, like that yeah no that that sounds yeah that that essentially you present something that creates a plausible explanation in the mind exactly that leads them down the wrong road yeah um in which case that's now you're sitting on the edge of uh explanation mm-hmm. right so you've moved from exposure to explanation yeah. and then i think the final form is education right wow three e's look at me go okay. right so is that two we got both of them oh in my year? god damn it wow. I'm just going to be stupid for the rest the of the rest of the years. Just no, so you've got... All right, exposure, explanation, education. And this is where I think this this sort of defines... Like, you guys have free videos on how to do things from mm-hmm. uh, Expert at the Card Table. Yeah. You know, you have one of the most beautiful changes from there that I've seen in a long time. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You've earned it. And, you know, should you give that away for free? And my contention is, yes, absolutely, if you're teaching it. You know, mm-hmm. if you're exposing it, screw you. Yeah, that's that's you're doing like, a disservice to a beautiful move. Yeah, you're you're taking something that could be majestic. Yeah, you know, if done well, is gorgeous and and magical and magical. And people, it's, people and it has a me. surprising moment, like you know, because you do the thing where where if you guys haven't seen his his change, it's a little bit of a tease. It is. It really. It's you. You have this moment where you think you're like, nope, not yet. And then it happens on the offbeat, and it screws with people. It really like it catches them by surprise, and that's that's what I was telling you. That magic that I love to hunt down is is that that aha moment. Like mm. it happens, and you're like, oh my gosh. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that back up because I back when we were talking about the bell, I wanted to mention this, and I was going to talk about Matthew May's book, but it's the it's hunting down magic that's like aesthetically just gorgeous. Yeah. 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 And and the stuff that fools me really hard. I did at the end of the thing. I, I ask you, when was the last time you got really fooled? And I've never really been able to explain very well what that means to me when I say it fooled me real bad. What it means to me is I know exactly how you're done. Me not knowing how you did a trick does not mean I was fooled. Right. Right. To yeah. me, when I say I was fooled, it means my whole body was fooled. My all of my senses, all of my faculties were utterly fooled. And I know how you did that. Right. I do all those moves, but you fooled me. Yeah. That's, oh, fuck. Nothing is better than that feeling. Oh, it, it's, it's a moment of, of terror, surprise, wonder, all of it, all at once. Yeah. Garrett Thomas. Oh, as Garrett. Far as, as that far guy's as I'm a witch. That guy is a witch. That guy's a witch. We need to burn him with fire. Like, he, he's the devil. Yeah, okay. That yeah. Guy, right. Like, oh my God. Okay. He's incredible. So it's me, D. Christopher, and is um, this imagination coins? No, no, oh, no, okay. no, no. This was something. Oh, pharma. I know. You know what I'm talking about, yes, right? Tell so we're we're, it's me, uh, D. Christopher, and Damian O'Brien, um, and uh, we're sitting around a table at Blackpool, right at the Ruskin. Um, Blackpool 
scariest place I've ever been. That's what uh, I like everyone hear. warned me. Everyone was all like, you know, they're like, so where are you going? I was all like, Blackpool. And everyone was like, why? Gross. Why would you do why that? Why would you yeah. do that to No, yourself? it has more tattoo parlors than restaurants, but it has more bed and breakfast than tattoo parlors. So piece that together. Um, so we're there. We're at the Ruskin. And Garrett Thomas is just, you know, hanging out. Uh, and he does something where at the end of it, I'm not just fooled. I get this pit yes. in my stomach yes. that I was like, okay, I have a problem because reality just bent in a way that it shouldn't, yeah. right? The Matrix is not real. Like, yes. I, he does it, and I'm not going to explain what's happening because it's his and he hasn't published it, but there is a moment that he has worked very, very hard to create, and he does it so beautifully I was literally scared. It turns your body inside out. It really does. It, you get that, that moment like you've been caught in like the teacher's lounge. It's really like yeah. you, you get this sense right in the pit of your chest that is like, okay, something is wrong with reality. And even, I, I yeah, okay, I could backfit the, the slights sure. behind it. Yeah. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter. I was screwed. It was exactly. like the first time I watched Babel. Well, and you know? uh, like recently, I want to hear your Babel story, but recently I... I had the pleasure of seeing um, a Chinese coin magician. His name is Sway. Oh, yeah. I had the pleasure of seeing him and Johnny Thompson in the same night. We were sitting down in the next to the bar in the Magic Castle, and Johnny Thompson comes over, and he does this beautiful Scarney do-as-I-do routine, uh, a triple coincidence routine. Gorgeous. Totally amazing. I didn't feel a thing. Felt nothing. The right. coolest thing was like, like, holy shit, Johnny Thompson is sitting down. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. One of the greats. Yeah, yeah, right. I was like, this is amazing. But the trick, which fooled me, I don't know how he did it, I felt nothing. Sway, so on the other hand, does a coins across routine where I know all the moves, I know all the, I know the routine, yeah. but he does it. And it's so natural, it feels so real that he did it. He did it. He wasn't even done with the trick. It was the second phase. The second coin travels. And I jumped up in the air, slammed my hand on the table, and shouted. Yeah. I couldn't... It. it, it you it, can't, it like, like, control your response, It was right? like I got kicked in the face by a donkey. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there's... It's that moment, like... I. You always know that, like, it hits me uh, because I'll laugh uncontrollably. Because I don't know how to handle, like... That kind of terror. Like, yeah. I'm just... I'm... I love that moment. Because it, I'm, I'm in Harry Potter. The yeah. world is whimsical, and I will eventually get a letter by an owl. Like, yeah. that is now the world that I live in, because yeah. this What person, year were you born? Uh, 1983. 1983. I'm trying to remember. It, it, there's, a, there's a thing that floats around on the internet that says, you know, people born between this day and this day never got their Hogwarts letters because Voldemort destroyed the wizard, the Ministry of Magic's records for people born then. So it, like, justifies why. Oh, why I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, but I, I think mean, I think you were born too early. And you're I, just, you I think that's the problem. It. I think yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. I'm yeah. still, I, would, I fall in that, that date right Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I probably, I, I definitely, just, I, I never got my owl. Yeah. No, it's fine. I'm a muggle. Did you, did you do the Pottermore sorting? Uh, I did the online one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm Gryffindor. You're Gryffindor? Oh, yeah. That's cute. Oh, yeah. All the way. I'm all the way. Are you? Way. That makes a lot of sense. Does it? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. You're cunning. You're very cunning. I'm another word that starts with C2. Yes. That's true. 
crafty. Crazy. <laughs> crafty. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, man. Way we're doing that, that almost went NC-17 in a hurry. <laughs> yeah, all the other times that we've been cursing. That would have pushed it over the edge. I would have done that. <laughs> he used the word. Yeah. You can tell because neither of us will say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. If we weren't recording, I still probably wouldn't say it. <laughs> That's probably true. It's it's a anyway. There's a, there's a context for everything. That's that's the biggest takeaway, is there's an appropriate context for everything. I I think you're right. I think you know? and and I I would I would add or I would finish it off. Uh, uh, Xavier Spade, mm-hmm. right? He and I had a conversation a long time ago. Um, he's a great guy. So he, cool. he is. He he really is. And he's and he's one of the heaviest thinkers about magic that I know of, and. Um, you know, he and I were having a conversation the last time we were out in LA, and it reminded me of the first conversation that we had. Um, magic is bigger than you, you know, and should be treated as such. Magic may be your playground, but the playground has room for everyone, mm-hmm. you know, for all types. It doesn't matter if you, if the only thing that you do is do Instagram videos like me, you know, yes, I perform, but, you know, give me my 15 seconds and I'm happy. Like, it's a minute, minute now. It is a minute now, which is now you have to do yeah. four things. That's oh like, my god, that's a lot of laughing. Now you can only do that's a quarter a of the videos. Yeah, that's true. I literally I just I I attach four fifteen second videos together. Yeah. That's really it's a lot of stolen music. Anyway. Just a lot of the same ditching over. It's a lot of lapping. It's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of yeah, my the floor under me is just a littered with it's all kinds just of cards everywhere. No, but but he did make that point and I really I sort of took that to heart, you know, yeah. that that magic is supposed to be bigger. It's supposed to be bigger than you. It's supposed to be bigger than your audience. It's there's supposed room for to be everybody. and there's there's room for the muggles and the wizards. There's room for uh, the good magicians and the bad magicians. Yeah, yeah. What there the is the original ones and the masters of the classics. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, and I think if you try to diminish it, that's when you that's when I think you start to push yourself out. I don't think magic pushes you out i think you push yourself away from it when you try to diminish magic mm-hmm. that's when you you shred your own invite into it you know it's when you try to grow it that's when you're invited to the table you know i spent so long trying to earn my seat at the table and it turns out what gets you a seat is trying to grow it you know trying to push it both in yourself and in others in mm-hmm. positive ways that's what gets you a seat at the table so by all means earn your seat go for it I feel like that's a perfect place to wrap it up. Perfect. Let's go for another 10 minutes until it's awkward. Yeah, there we go. Then we'll stop. (laughs) (laughs) So, that was really beautiful, though. Thank you, Jeremy, so much for doing this. You're welcome. Thank you for Do you feel good? I do. Okay, now answer my question. Okay. When was the either the most recent time or the hardest you've ever been really badly? The hardest I've ever been really. Sounds like Garrett Thomas really wrecked you, but. Uh, Garrett did. Uh, Let me think here. Let me go through my memory of things. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd have to lean on Babel. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, tell me about the first time you met Babel. You wanted to tell that story. Oh, uh, well, that was actually because of Chris Ramsey. Chris Ramsey, you know, he speaks French, French fluently. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, Babel and him uh, get along famously. Yeah. And at Magic Live, uh, we're... Uh, just sitting down and Chris introduces me and I sort of help Babel around uh, 
I go get him coffee and everything. And then eventually we we sit down at a little cafe when he was out in L.A., mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, I've, I've seen him perform. And I know the moves, right? Yeah. But the one thing that he is remarkably good at is the cards are not where you expect. So yeah. at one point, he is holding the aces. My card goes into the aces, and he's counting them. And then he reaches into his pocket, and he pulls out a card. And then he reaches back into his pocket, and he pulls out the four aces, and my card is in his hand. And my first thought is, you son of a bitch, you got me, you know? <laughs> because I knew it. I knew yeah. what was coming, and he still had me. He just he subverted still, your expectations. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it didn't come at the moment that I was expecting. And sometimes that's... That, that is honestly the, the one thing that I really want to learn. I want to learn how to get... Like when you did Card to Pocket, when we were at the Speakeasy, mm-hmm. you know, that got me too. It was because you always did it on the offbeat. And you were always doing it when I wasn't expecting. You know, you watch Steve Valentine do it. And you're like, God damn it, I know, it's ten cards, they're going somewhere, you know. Yeah. And they always go when you least expect it. Yeah. And at that point, you're... You're appreciating not only what happened, but the structure mm-hmm. and how it happened. Yeah. So I would say it, it goes it goes something like that. Um, and uh, his name escapes me at the moment, but there's one other time. But those those will do, I think. Yeah. If we go any further, I'm going to have to sit here for 30 minutes trying to remember names. No, that's so. great. Thank you so much, Jeremy. This was cool. such a pleasure. And Dave, thank you so much for having me over and, and for the... For the booze and for the conversation. They were both excellent. Yes. So thank I you. agree. Yeah. Thank so. you so much. Let's do a high five. High five. There it is. There, now we have a sound cue. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah.